0: Buddy, here we are. Show me the Mooney, episode fifty six. The one with the black guy. Chuck, <laughs> how are you feeling?
1: Feeling good, man. I'm good now, but I was in rough shape last week. Well, I tell you.
0: So you were saying that uh, you're distracted, probably because there's a party going on behind you, apparently, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was like a party. Um, I moved into a new place, as you may. Made- tell from the different various backgrounds on our YouTube videos but yeah I moved to a different place and it's kind of like the same story Um, we got people downstairs where they you know they have little get togethers and stuff like that and my thing is it's just like if you're gonna have like music and shit playing and it's like right underneath somebody's like bedroom window like common courtesy would say like ring that person's doorbell Say, hey, you know, we're having a party Saturday, whenever, whatever. It's expected to be between 6 o'clock and like 10 or something like that. So, you know, for a couple of reasons, common courtesy. And if you tell me the shit's going to end at 10 and I'm still hearing loud ass music in my head at, like, 10.35, I have every right to come downstairs and give you a piece of my mind and say, hey, buddy, you kind of went a little bit long here. Like, what the hell? You got to keep it
0: down now. Or, you gotta, yeah, You got to do your uh, Witherspoon. What the hell is going on over there? I'm going to call uh, the police. <laughs> Speaking of that, you know, so, like, since we, since last episode, um, you know what I do usually my routine? Okay, it's – I'm getting a little antsy. I don't know if you noticed, but a lot of things aren't open late anymore in the last – year and a half but uh what i do is i go out at around 11 or 10 uh after we record because tonight we're recording late at night and the only thing that's open is uh the supermarket there's a supermarket down there not too far from me and i guess last week was like the first really hot day of the year and um you know the first week of june and like every block had a different crazy party going on like, I was I was expecting, like, I don't know what else. It was, like, really really loud and stuff, and I was wondering. I was like, what do you even – I don't even – I had never done that before. I've never called, and, like, all these persons being too loud or whatever, but, like, it was very, very loud, and the story's going nowhere. No, no, no. Uh, but it was really loud. I don't know what the hell was going on. And then with me, uh, people were doing fireworks and stuff, like, right behind, and I'm like, you know, all day, all week long. I'm, uh, you know, it's just annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's not, um, it's, not, it's, not, it's not something that friends would do.
1: I don't think I've ever called the police on anything until I was, first of all, like, you call the police, they might shoot my black ass. But I've never really called the police until, like, I was, like, a supervisor at, like, you know, our our old hey. job. Because, yeah, yeah. I, I you know, at some point, it's but so much that I can do. So I call the police up and be like, yeah, some old guys here, like, bothering the shit out of people talking about Eng- Engelbert Humperdinck. <laughs> well,
0: I'm surprised I'm you story brought that by out. the way. <laughs> I, I'm actually shocked. Um, it was a coincidence you brought that up because uh, earlier today I was thinking about, uh, remember when we guy get hit by a train? Yeah. That's crazy. And that's the only time I ever that was the,
1: like, I was the first time I happened to you. That was the second time for me. <laughs>
0: Oh, man, but I had a call, and, like, I guess I'm on record. It's probably, like, it's, like, on, like, uh remember, like, Rescue 911 or one of those shows? They probably have my voice, and it's, like, me, like, disinterested. Uh, hello? I think someone just, like, or it was, like, really high. I, I can't remember if I was, like, panicky. Oh, my God, there's something going on outside. But I- I'm on record of, you know, something crazy happened, and uh that was a weird... Uh, that was, that was weird the difference
1: movie. between me and you. I know my tone. I would have been, like, yeah, this guy jumped in front of a train. Like, can you get him off of there by the time I'm ready to, like clock out because i want to go home
0: <laughs> this isn't controversial because the guy was a piece of shit we found out the next oh, day you yeah. killed like anyway. this lady and her kid so yeah. fucking oh, rotten hell yeah uh that was the cover of the post that said that because you know they, they're they clever with their titles anywho um yeah, So the
1: of all the places of all the train stations in the world you had to kill yourself in front of
0: mine <laughs> yeah man uh but yeah, man, it's, it's a classic. <laughs> it's a black and white movie. Classic. Um, Speaking of classics, yeah. Um, so it's June twelfth, twenty twenty-one. Can't believe it. Uh, we were doing a little chit chat earlier, and apparently, this is a, we've been doing this for a year. So everyone who's listened to one episode, one minute, anything, thank you. Uh, it's, uh, it's it's it doesn't feel like a year. I I think the last six months went way quicker. And then, but then, if I think about an episode from last summer, I was like, oh, that feels like years ago. Um, But yeah, so we're going to talk about a few things today. Um, You know, we like to talk about pop culture, um, especially like retro stuff or nostalgia, I should say. And uh, we tend to ramble about, we'll go on like a tangent about like an old movie or an old show. And um, we started clipping them and we've been posting uh, dot, dot, dot in retrospect a few uh different uh you did jerry mcguire we did you know porkies came up uh today we're going to talk about uh ironically a movie that came out 20 years ago this summer but i never saw it until like two weeks ago yeah me. yeah i know but like i think i did it on purpose so uh i like all right 12 i was like what is it 20 years to the date okay cool now i can watch it so i watched literally blonde um which I know is crazy because a lot of people, it's more, a huge franchise. It's going to be coming back next year with a new one. Mindy Kelling. Uh, Cal- oh, Mindy. brother. And the guy from 9-9-9. Oh, uh, later. Yeah. Brooklyn 9-9 guy, I think, is they're doing a third one. And there was a Broadway play and stuff, but I never watched it. And I think uh, I just was, screw it. It was too complicated to turn the channel at the time. It was like, Fios is very annoying. If anyone uses Verizon Fios, it's like, whatever. So I watched it we're going to get my point of view because obviously uh show you watched out back then. And then probably here and there over the years, less, less 20 years. Yeah. Rented our drone from back. I rented it from
1: blockbuster off my family and we watched it. Yes. That's oh, how old wow.
0: it was on VHS. Ah, yes, yes. Um, So the interesting with that is I only just saw it. So it's not nostalgia for me, you know? So, That'll be fun, but another thing that we both uh were watching same exact time, you know, in elementary school, uh, was this huge sitcom. I watched it back then, and I watched it dozens of times over the years since Friends. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Friends, not this, not the reunion, not the actual special. We're just going to say, uh, our thoughts on how, uh, A lot of things we're gonna talk about the friends, yeah.
1: It's a a little then and now because, um, there's obvious things that went on with that show that they, um, you know, things they could have changed were it to be done today, as as Mike said about legally blowing out and making another one. Um, but for some reason, the creators are a little like unapologetic. And rather than, like, confronting those issues during the reunion, it wasn't. I mean, another show that did a reunion earlier this year was Fresh Prince. And the, the vibe and the whole, like, feeling around it was a lot different than Friends was. It was far less emotional and far more, like, celebratory. Well, we'll get into it in a little bit. Just stay tuned. Right,
0: yeah. Um, and of course, this is the eighth week of uh, A&E. 8th and final. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Shocking, I mean, um, not shocking, I mean, uh, hard to believe. I mean, it went by real quick. Eight, eight A&E biography slash WWE Legends. Um, I've been pleasantly surprised the last handful of them. Um, so I, pretty much like most of them were really great. And this week it was Brett and Hart. Uh, I have his autobiography behind me. I have wrestling with shadows that I just recently picked up on a whim. Uh, so we're going to talk about that's going to come up in it. Um, we're going to talk about that. I loved it. And uh, I'm going to elaborate on that. Um, I'm excited about that. And Shug, usually we talk about some sports, but uh, I just want to say one thing. Um, I was driving around in Queens and I'm, I'm, I thought about it today. I'm like, Oh shit. A lot of things happening on the Island. You got the Mets Islanders and the Nets. And that doesn't, that doesn't sit well with me. I know people are, uh... <laughs> all right. this is news to me. Cause I know all three. So, <laughs> so like, um, people on Twitter are always like, why not just root for the Nets? You know, like that whole thing. And you're like, but I'm like, that's the epitome of cross town rival, you know? And like, and the Mets, I hate the Mets, um, and it yeah, was a different yeah, league. You
1: know what? Like, I got some commentary on that. Yeah, I, 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 saw it come up, um, I saw it come up a lot on during the 2015 World Series with the Mets mm-hmm. and the Royals. And a lot of people were saying, like, well, you know, Yankee fans should root for the Mets because it's New York. They hadn't won in so long, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like... It's always for the other team. Cause I even hmm. remember it. It's always for like the, the 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 little brother team. It's never like okay, Mets fans have been root for Yankee fans during the twenty you know, every other World Series outside of two thousand. Mets fans rooted for Yankee fans. It's never that you know when the Jets went to the AFC Championship in back to back years, you would hear that. And I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I rooted a little bit for the Jets because I thought it was cool. You know, you know I was like, it's New York, blah, 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 blah. But the Jets, like, AFC Championship um, appearances were in between Super Bowl 42 and Super Bowl 46. And in neither case, and it's funny because the Giants, and I may be wrong, I'm, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, <laughs> I may be wrong, but these Super Bowl appearances were against the Jets' biggest rival, the New mm-hmm. England Patriots. So a lot of people will always come to, to you and say, like, or, or the qualm I, I always think about in my head, I was like... 1986, four years before I was born, a couple of years before Mike was born, I was like, damn, like, I don't know what I would do in our World Series. It's mm-hmm. Mets, Red Sox, who do you root for? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and to this day, I don't know. I always like suggested, I'm like, well, you know what? Like, the Red Sox fans, they hate us. We hate them. They hate when we win. We hate when they win. But I don't got to live with them. Um, so I'd probably, I wouldn't say root, but I'd be more um happy if they won as opposed to I'll be less disappointed, in know, you know, overall in the baseball season if the Red Sox won not World Series specifically than if the Red Sox won. Um, I mean, not than, than if the Mets won, hmm. but it's always like the smaller team. So, this past week, or, you know, since the Knicks been Mm. um, eliminated, they say, like, you know, like, it was actually Ebro from Hot 97. I posed a question, which is like, oh, like, I don't see why Knicks fans can't root for the Nets. And it's just like, bro, first of all, Kevin Durant said that the Knicks aren't cool. They're not the cool team anymore, blah, 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 blah. Clearly, this season has kind of um disproved that. Like, we're still a cool team, at least here. Like, but with New Yorkers, we don't give a fuck about what what other cities say. And I had like a a friend of mine from college, she said the same thing. Like, she, you know, she's the, the bandwagoner that I always bring up on the show. She was just like, I don't see why you can't root for the team. I was like, clearly you don't understand how New York works. But it's always the 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 smaller team that needs the bigger team's fan base behind them, and it just it just doesn't work like that. That's the beauty of
0: having being a two a two team town in virtually everything. Well, you brought up the '86 scenario, and I thought about it. I probably would have rooted for the Mets back then because there was no there was only exhibitions at that point. There was no actual like interleague play. So, like, you would only ever play them if you made it to the World Series, which hadn't happened. So, I probably would have said Mets. That would have been coked out of my mind, too, with, like, uh... No, nah, like retro- nah, retro-
1: retrospectively. Yeah. Like, being the fact that I wasn't born yet, I would you know, I, I, I've, I've enjoyed and actually, I think they're gonna do like a 30 for 30 or some kind of, um, like, last dance type of shit mm. for the 86 Mets. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. Um... Which is cool because, you know, Daryl Strawberry, um, Lee Mazzilli, Goodin. Dwight Gooden, all of these Cone. people, they ended Cone. up having, Um, not nah, Cone was on that team. It wasn't on yet? Oh, he's on Blue Jays still, right? No, Cone didn't play yet. Cone came oh, yeah. up in like 88. All right, edit this out. <laughs> Shout out Coney. Follow me on Twitter. Hopefully he listens. I'll be fly. So imagine David Cone listens to this. Yeah, he's a cool guy. <laughs> But all those dudes, they ended up playing, like, big roles. You know, Lee Mazzilli was, like, the bench coach for the Yankees in the 90s.
0: Strawberry I met, playing. I, I met him uh, when I was a kid. We did, like, a spring training thing for, like, like five-year-olds. And Mazzilli was there. Mm-hmm. He was, I don't know why. He was just, like, you know, I guess he was a coach or something.
1: Yeah, so it's fun. Like, I, I enjoyed our team. Mookie Wilson, all those mm-hmm. guys. But I was thinking, I was, like, imagine if, like, this year – Like it's Mets and Red Sox in the World Series, Uh, I I I would probably root for the the um, Red Sox because I mean not root I want I want to say root I would say like I'd prefer if the Red Sox would win because I remember in two thousand nine, you know a lot of Mets fans you're playing against the Phillies and Phillies hate the Phillies actually hate New York in general because that was a consensus I got when I was in college like they hate. New York. So they yeah. hate the Yankees, they hate the Mets,
0: they hate the mm. Giants, they hate the Jets. Hate themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but listen to this, like like for people that don't know uh, that aren't familiar with the the dynamic of the area, you got the Yankees, I me and you, know, you got New York, Boston and Philly. Uh, New York is kind of like in the middle. Boston's more like um, respectable trashy and then Philly is a straight up like Like the the New York and the Boston will be in like a fight, and then we New York and Boston will get distracted by looking at this crazy character Philly coming at them. You know they're like that one. Uh, There's a lot of serious shit that happened in Philly. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, um,
1: and we're in like a costly with Boston. We're in like a costly battle over um, Connecticut.
0: Yeah, Connecticut. Yeah, I mean, what do they have? The Huskies. I remember
1: like when I was younger, uh, my mom's coworker she she got married in Mystic. You know mm-hmm. where Mystic um, Pizza took place? Of course. In Mystic, um, Connecticut, Mystic River. Not Mystic River, Mystic whatever the hell it's it like is. Part, I think yeah. the river, the river runs to Massachusetts, so it was like in between. So when you went to like a restaurant, and it was oh, it, like yeah. weird to me because it was 2005, so it was like in the 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 year after crux of yeah, yeah the the, the feud was 2003 three, yeah. four. So you'd go to a bar or a restaurant, and they could have, like, you know how they have, like, multiple TVs. So it would be, like, Yankee game, Red Sox game, Yankee game, Red Sox game. And I was like, "What the hell are they showing a the Red Sox here? And it is, it's weird, but it's really, like, split like that. Like, mm. Northern Connecticut from, like, Hartford up is, like, Boston. And Hartford down is Yankees or Mets. mm more so, Yankees,
0: and Hartford would be like split in the middle. Yeah, and then but the whole thing with the the hockey too. We got the the apparently the Islanders just beat uh, the Bruins.
1: Yeah, and there's people that I like were like Whaler fans. I became like Ranger
0: fans after the the Whalers left. Yeah, uh, but I love looking at the old you know franchises and hockey especially. Uh, but yeah, I mean. So that's going on too, like with, with sports. Uh
1: and my my thing I with Bro- root for her? my thing with Brooklyn is this. I think when they this is my rationale for not rooting for the Nets. Because there is such a thing as borough pride in the series in, in the city. You know, if you're for the Bronx, you're for the Bronx, whatever. And then outside of that, you're a New Yorker. And if you're from Queens, you're for Queens. Outside of that, you're a New Yorker. Brooklyn, you're for Brooklyn. Outside of that, you're a New Yorker. So as a Bronx person, I can't wear anything that says Brooklyn on it. So if the Nets really wanted New York to rally behind them, they would have been the New York Nets like they were back when mm-hmm. Dr. J played. But they, they felt at the time that Brooklyn was going to be big enough or that they felt that they could capitalize on Brooklyn on you know the, the market of Brooklyn and you know I think they must have felt that Brooklyn would be would have developed enough as its like own city within a city by this time and in reality like all kind of different like economic stuff and you know the pandemic now it hasn't you know because brooklyn was definitely like trending towards a way that like it was getting ready to really like be its own city again um for the first time since like 18 something because that's why the brooklyn dodgers were the brooklyn dodgers because when they started brooklyn was its own city within new york city
0: yeah well yeah there's a whole thing with that like uh they decided all right they incorporated brooklyn and then they were going to incorporate like a like a shit ton of westchester county into uh into the city too but um where i live they they said no they voted no to be part of the city so it would have been all the way up the bronx would have been all the way up but anyway my whole thing is i'm getting a little nervous i i i feel weird not weird but like um already i'm nervous that it's going to be like uh the islander you what know, the, the island you know you're going to have the Nets in the in the finals and you're gonna have the islanders like they, they already have a cute nickname they're called the new york saints for some reason i have i don't know the background to it the islanders mm-hmm. this that's like their like rally monkey thing like they have that cute little thing going on and usually when you have a cute little thing like that i mean the yankees until 2017 had that really cool guy with that rag and he'd be like this you know the guy Woo that one guy but that's all we had uh these guys are like really like putting for putting forward like this whole gimmick of uh i don't know what like, like the the team you can get behind. So, cause the Islanders were, if you guys don't know that they had, uh, all this potential and stuff. They had all these like great picks and for like a decade and, uh, they were going to move because no one was going to their games. But anyway, let's see what happens about that. But we yeah. can, we, as we, as Nick fans can sit back, feel good about ourselves. Uh, and not just only us fans, but the league and the, the world of basketball and NBA are, Agreeing, and they already uh, gave uh, Julius Randle the what was a comeback player of the of the year most improved most improved player of the year, and we also now uh, well deserved uh, are the New York Knicks coach uh, Tom Thibodeau has been coach of the year. Yeah, uh, it's wild. I was even, I mean, because I have to
1: give a lot of credit to Monty Williams, who went through like the worst tra- tragedy that a person could go through with, um, you know, a few years ago with his wife passing away and having to step away from coaching and then reinserting himself into coaching. And the Phoenix Suns, like, bro, like they, they're getting ready to go to the Western Conference Finals. This is going to be Chris Paul's second trip to the Western Conference Finals. But again, you got to give that credit to Chris Paul. And then Quinn Snyder with the Utah Jazz, Um, he's been their coach for years, so you'd assume there would be some kind of, like, progression over the year, whereas with Tom Thibodeau, a person who, when he was hired, you know, people counted him out due to his tenure with the Minnesota Timberwolves, and also with how his tenure with the Bulls ended, um, and it was like an open... Secret in the NBA that he always wanted to coach the Knicks. He grew up as a Knicks fan Mm -hmm. in Connecticut. Right. We're just talking about that. Yeah. And he was in the coaching tree with Jeff Van Gundy and Pat Riley. Won a championship with the Celtics as their assistant coach. Got coach of the year with the Bulls. And uh, he did a magnif- magnificent job with the Knicks. I think the one thing with the Knicks over the years is just, like, they had not had any kind of identity. Like, it wasn't our thing about the Knicks that, yeah, we're playing the Knicks tonight, so this is what they're going to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was kind of, like, moving real, like, blindly into it. Or if they had an identity, it was, like, a negative identity. Like, when you had – um phil jackson's guys running the team it was just like oh they're gonna try to run a triangle but you know this offense is like not feasible for today's nba um so we could work around it but with the knicks it was just like every the one shit i would say about the knicks and this is where he he deserved culture every time you play the knicks even if you came out with a win I don't think anybody came out saying, like, oh, like, you know, well, we had an easy night tonight. Like, we knew what we were going to do. Like, every time after the game, even a win, like, the opposing team was like, man, like, I'm so tired. Like, I didn't know, like, they were going to do this to us. Like, and Tom Thibodeau brought that. And I'm glad he won coach of the year.
0: And Mike? Yeah, even if there was like a normal like length of the season, the worst case scenario, it would have been like broke even pretty much, you know, because it was 41 and 31, pretty much, right? More wins than I think the
1: last two seasons combined. And it was funny because a lot of the um, commentary after they let um, David Fisdale go was like, oh, like they didn't give him a roster to win with, and there's some Knicks and. They have all that negative energy in their organization, blah, 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 blah. And Tom Thibodeau essentially took the same team because even if you took all the people, even if you took all the people that the Knicks added in the offseason, Noel, um, Alec Burks, um, all these different people, look at the response to when the Knicks signed those people. It wasn't like, oh, they signed Alec Burks, like, oh my God, they signed New done well. Oh my God. It was either very um dismissive or very negative. Like, oh, they signed the guys like New Orleans well now and Alec Burks. All right, they're gonna head, they're going to the lottery. So the fact that like he got the most out of his team. That's also another part of it. And then you have people complaining, saying like, oh, here goes that big market bias, da da da. And it's just like, you know, like when the Knicks actually earn things, it's oh, it's a big market bias. Yeah. But when like a Kevin Durant says or a Kyrie uh, and a Kyrie Irvin say or any or LeBron or whoever they don't want to sign with the Knicks, it's never like, oh, they ran away from the big market. It's always you know the Knicks are terrible, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm glad like the
0: culture has changed. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking too. Where it's um, it doesn't feel like this was the peak. You know, like with Carmelo, like in 2013, we got to the second round. It felt like yeah the didn't. It, 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 now, now. It feels like there's some. It, we're on the up. It's it's just like this isn't like this. Con, it's consolation prizes because of course we wanted we were hoping for more you know, another round, but realistically uh, this was more than what we expected, you know, and um, with Carmelo, like we expected to be more competitive and we lost the second round. Well, Well, you know, well, you know what, the
1: thing about Carmelo or Carmelo's time here was the front office, in my opinion, the front office failed him because the highest they reached was with Mello and Mike Woodson and then Phil Jackson came in and he got rid of Mike Woodson. Mike Woodson actually had a big part in this season because they brought him back as an assistant. Yeah. And I, I wish him the best. Like Indiana is about to be like my second um, college basketball team behind Pitt. Mm. But I think the whole culture is different. Like you, you said it feels like this is just the beginning. like I, I said, You know, for the past couple of weeks, like how I feel after the season is how I felt after the Yankees, when they got eliminated. I felt the same way when the Yankees got eliminated in 2017, how I felt in 2017. Now, how I feel about the Yankees in 2021 is based on what they did from 2017 on how I feel about the Knicks. Is I feel like they they like the 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 sky's a limit for them. As far as what they can
0: do, and and the league, it's it's I, I think I said it a few times, but like I feel like it's anything's up in the air. everything's up in the air in the league wise, where nothing is like concrete yet. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we're like who are the major players? Like it's still kind of in that phase of RJ thing, Barrett, at least you know.
1: You see me drinking my beer here. R.J. Barrett can't even drink a beer legally in this country right now. Like, we still got – and and Julius Randle is 26 oh.
0: years old. And let's like, yeah. We, we, we're going to keep going, bro. And, and uh, blessings to uh, him and his wife. Uh, oh, yeah.
1: They expecting another one.
0: Yeah. So, good for them. Uh, yeah. Congrats. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I watched so many Knicks over the last 15 years, especially the last 15 years. Uh, cause I never really had MSG. But me and my buddy, man, we, we watch this, we watch every single night, like after school, then after work when we kind of work together on the same block. And I bring him up because he's a diehard Nick fan. He's also a diehard Met fan. And I failed to bring this up when we were talking about the island, you know, the Islanders and all that and the Mets. It's actually uh twelve years ago today. Did, did you see the highlight on this date 12 years ago, 2009? The Subway series? Luis Castillo. Yes. So this is the anniversary and this just shows you that we were like all watching the game together. He was the only Met fan. And it was like six Yankee fans, and we we're all like you know talking shit because the Yankees looked like they were gonna lose. And he was like gloating and everything. Uh, you know, we were all drinking and stuff, but he was gloating and uh, he was talking trash. And we we're watching the ball, and I'm like, I had it recorded on like an old phone back then. He was like, he's gonna drop it, and he drops the ball, and like I just see him like he's in like this massive like armchair, and he's just like. And <laughs> we all, like, popcorn everywhere. It was, like, a Best Buy commercial. We were, like, celebrating so much. And that's just to yeah. like, uh, it's, you know, I would never, like, root for that team, you know, like. Yeah, just-
1: I was in the Virgin Islands. And for one, it was not the greatest service. And then for two, it was way back. This is before, like, Twitter and you could go on, like, ESPN. And they had the um the app and the MLB at Bat app. Like you'd literally have to like be refreshing your phone to to follow a game, so I was like refreshing my phone and I think I had like it was like, A-Rod at the play and like mm-hmm. Tashera was our second, and it was just like in play outs, and then I refreshed it and I was like, I was like, nah, Yankees win like three yeah. two or whatever, and I was like, wow, um, but speaking of Yankees, and- yeah, today. Couple weeks ago, um, couple days ago, before the series against the Twins, Josh Johnson, who plays with the Twins formerly of the Braves, Blue Jays, the Athletics, um, it's become a big thing in baseball now. Like I guess like uh, sticky stuff, you know. It used to be pine tar, but now they got like like a lot of different substances now. So a lot of people are like blaming, you know, the fact of a lot of pitchers like doing well where they previously didn't do well on like, oh, now they're using this new um these new substances, whatever, whatever. So Josh Donaldson, in like an interview, he called out Garrett Cole, like specifically. This was like Saturday, and the Yankees began this series on I think Tuesday, like I was like, ooh, I can't wait. I think Cole's start was like the second game of the series. And I was like, ooh, like this Mm -hmm. could get interesting. Like, cause I was thinking, I'm like, yo, like put one in his rib. Because my thing is, it's just like, it's evident that like a lot of pitchers are doing this. But if I'm Garrett Cole specifically, I'm like, why the hell are you using me? As an example, like of anybody, and Garrett Cole came, came up and he didn't throw at him or anything, he just struck him the fuck out twice yeah. and then made him fly out on the third at bat that he had against him. And I was like, you know what, that's actually better because it's like you tried to say that, like, I cheated to be a good pitcher, and mind you, like, Garrett Cole's been having like some bad starts lately, so I, I, I thought that was a little bit. You know, in this era of it's just like, oh, I hope he throws at him. You know, I want like the benches clear. And I was just
0: like, yeah. you know, just show him that you're better. I like that too. That's the way I like to do it. Um, I mean, there was a time where like, if a team, if like the Yankees were like kind of getting pushed around, then you got to do that. You know, but uh, you got to just the way the way uh Cole did it was the way I liked it. Like even Michael K was like saying like, yeah, you got to throw it at him. Mm-hmm. Come on, man! You gotta throw it at him. He was like doing his whole like shtick on his radio show, um, but yeah. So uh, he he even put a little little extra on the on his uh, four seam fastball. Like he got to, he got it to a hundred a few times, um, but yeah. And then the whole game, Donaldson was over for five. But they asked him again, like um, kind of uh, to reiterate, or just like yeah,
1: like the game time home run, like the next day. It was kind of the same thing, like Altuve. Where it was, like, they already lost the series, but since it's, like, the last game, it's, like, oh, he got the last laugh. It's, like, no, nah, you lost
0: the series, bro. Yeah, but he And you said, lost against a guy that you tried to call out. Yeah, but he did the thing where he's, like, uh, you know, we always bring up the whole – everything we say is very deliberate. Like, he said it in, like, the – he was, like, uh, no, I, like – they kind of asked him, like, why'd you call out – uh, you know, why'd you – why'd you uh why'd you call him out? Or would you do regret or not the regret? I forget the wording. They said, he's like, no, like if you look at the, his numbers, like they went down since, uh, you know, like I, we kind it was been brought up. Like there Apparently there was like minor league suspensions or something like that. Like it's like in the minor leagues, like people, this is where it came from or they found the substances or something. And, um, he's like, if you look at it, his numbers went down, his like velocity's down and everything. Um, but in this game, uh, well, on that particular outing, it went up, um, you could tell that he was, like, fueled by something, like, to, you know, make a point. And I like the way that yeah, he did it. Just stare down, stare he, down. He does the sit down thing. Like,
1: you know, Chapman usually does that, that, too. But, like, Cole's, like, taking on that same thing. But Cole's, like, great. And on top of that, you know, it, he pitched, like, a good game. Like, he pitches, like, extremely well. That's why he's you know, the highest paid pitcher in the game.
0: All right, Chug. So uh, I mentioned to you a couple, maybe a week ago, that I flipped through the channels and I started Legally Blonde on. Um, And for some reason, I just was like, all right. So I left it on and I, I, I watched through it, you know. And then I was looking on Wikipedia, just seeing, like, who else, like, who made it and stuff. And I realized it said July 2001. And I was like, oh, shit, man, that was 20 years ago. And I'm thinking of all the other movies that came out during that time. And I, I, I saw all those movies in theaters. Um, like me and my friends would go. I had my first like date type thing. The group date thing. It was like that same era. And I'm surprised I didn't see Legally Blonde. But um, So it's funny because you actually watched it back then. You said you rented it and used to watch it. Yeah. Actually,
1: I went to the movies to see the sequel. I think that was like
0: 2004. I can't
1: remember that one. Late, vividly. So okay. I, hey, I, don't, one, I I recall it not being
0: like good. So it, hey, one step at a time. I, I finally saw a part one. You know, like, give me time to watch that, and then yeah. I'll go. do the yeah, did did see that, part two. Did, did it, it was like red, white, and blue, or something. I was like red, white, and blue too, or something. I remember it being something with like patriotic. Um, it was anyway.
1: like Mister Mister Um Smith goes to Washington. Oh, you're right. Mister Smith was
0: you know elwood's Elwood is the character's name. Um, it's actually based off a book. I didn't know all this stuff. Uh, it's like a series of books, uh, which is soon to be a very uh, familiar trend in movies, especially like these type of female uh, protagonist movies. Uh, but Reese Witherspoon, uh, this is like her. This is like her jump off. This is like the, this is her like big moment. She was in like American Psycho. I remember. Uh, I saw that before that, which is like you know. It was yeah, a weird movie I, I would I would say Cruel Intentions was like. A... Uh, see, that's another see, that's another movie that uh, around that time. Um, I think my bu- my buddy rented it, or like he he took his like sister's copy and we watched it, and uh, like Samuel Blair, was it Samuel Blair in Legally Blonde? She was on Legally Blonde as well. Yeah. All right. All right. So she was part of that crew. Uh, it was like the brunettes versus the blonde. So that's like the theme. All right. So going into this, I'm watching it. and I'm like my first. I'm like, it feels like a fairy, not a fairy tale, but just, it, it felt weird. Uh, it felt like, I know that, like she was about to graduate college and she was like, you know, kicking ass 4.0, but she was another popular thing at the time, uh, fashion major, you know, fashion, like merchandising major. Uh, but the way they were acting, I was like, is this high school? It felt like high school, high school, uh, high school kids. Um, but yeah, that, that was like a popular thing. Like, it's always like, I want to get into fashion. And I was thinking about Clueless. Um, a lot of those uh, it, it reminded me of Clueless too so that's another thing where like, I inched closer and started watching it more um, but yeah so what? what do, you, what do you, you watched it recently? no nah,
1: I haven't seen it in like a long time but I oh. do recall it was like the she was going to like UCLA or like USC like a Southern California school where she met or her boyfriend was the guy Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny because that guy, like, you know, if it was real life, like that dude would have been like the OD, like Mitt Romney, and then go turn it up to eleven and become like the OD, like Trump supporter, like if he if he was a real person today. Um,
0: hey, well, he's like a son of a, a governor or something like that, then yeah, so
1: I guess like he went to the the school
0: as his um undergrad
1: you know, to get like his um, you know, pre law degree. And then he went to Harvard to get his law degree. And he, you know, he, he in the beginning of the movie, like he kind of did it under the guise of like, oh, like I gotta go to Harvard to get my law degree. So I'm breaking up with you, et cetera, et cetera.
0: So Well well, she thought she was gonna pro- he was gonna propose to her. So that's like the whole like a, in a fairy tale where she's like, it's going to finally happen. I'm going to graduate. We're going to get married. And he just like, sorry, babe, we're over. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, that's the whole like uh, inciting, inciting incident. So um, yeah. So then, then that's where it is where you were saying.
1: Yeah. And then she decides to like follow him there. And then she makes like a, a, a video presentation and t- for, for the Harvard people or whatever and i guess like it was like one woman it was like five people and like one of them was a woman but like the other four were like guys so it involved like a video of her like you know talking about her like good aspects or whatever whatever uh but she's wearing like a bikini yeah it's like a she's shot. At, yeah and so all the guys say i and like the one woman the one like dissenting woman's like no like Actually she goes to Harvard, and then like to her surprise, like he's in a relationship with another girl that's like more um, you know, uptight and studious, which was played by Selma Blair. So as you said, it was that you know cruel intentions reunion, but they were kind of playing like the opposite because Reese Witherspoon and Cruel Intentions was kind of like the uptight prude. And Selma Blair was, like, the hyper-sexualized girl. And in this one, like, Selma Blair was, like, the prude. And
0: Elle was, you know,
1: more sexualized, so to speak.
0: Yeah, but when I was watching, it was like, oh, I felt like they were doing clicks. And it was like, oh, the poor blonde girl, you know, like, I can prove. Like, you know, she's chasing the guy, like, oh, I'm going to prove. I'm going to win. I'm going to win him back, you know. And it's kind of like... um you know that that's her, the whole like motive is for her to, you know, the, what you think is the motive is for her to um win win the guy, which is like very you know, rom com style. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, but then like she gets uh, she uses her strengths, uh, and overcome like all oh, like the prejudice thing, like oh, because she's like a dumb blonde, you know, that's like the whole uh thing of it. I, I was thinking about all these other 90s movies that I saw way more than this obviously because i just saw it but remember um in the 90s uh trial movies were like really big
1: mm-hmm. john grisham
0: shit, yeah they had a shitload of dramas like serious ones the firm uh but then they had the silly ones so they had john like, grisham you know, yeah jury duty the pelican brief and all that yeah but then they had the silly ones like jury duty uh and then they had the you know uh my uh liar liar, liar? oh i forgot what liar, liar yeah but um my cousin Vinny. Uh, there's mm-hmm. there's a scene there's a scene in that where Mercer Tomei is like the aha mm-hmm. like so like the whole like and in this in the, uh, the there's no tires on the whatever, you know, the the what type of car was it?
1: Yeah, they actually Tire. showed out they showed our movie in like law school, like in yeah. in different law schools as like you know, to teach people um basic like um courtroom procedure and how
0: like to go about presenting a trial and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but that movie I watched like, like every other week it's always on. So that's like the type of movie they would always play at night and I would watch it, but this is the opposite. Legally Bond. I never, I would always skip over it until this time, but there's that aha, aha moment where she's like, if you look Skyla, the whole thing. And then it's like, she wins the case that so she's like, the, you know, you would think that she wouldn't know what she's doing. Cause she's like just a girl, you know, but then yeah. she's like, she's the opposite where she's like the, you know, she's like the, the mechanic daughter. So like, that's the thing where like you don't judge a book by its cover type thing but with legally blonde um she has a aha moment because it's similar it's like Mm -hmm. the whole thing with oh i didn't hear the gunshot because i was in the shower or something like that but it's like you wouldn't have gone in the shower because like your perm would have been fucked up if you did take a shower so she uses her knowledge of fashion
1: linda cardellini
0: was a daughter i think i remember i didn't look familiar um yeah, but so that's the uh, and
1: Ollie, Ollie Lauder was the the person on trial that they were defending and the group like the law professor was supposed to be like her lawyer and um Luke Wilson's character was his like assistant or his um on um, part of his legal team and essentially they were like telling her like yeah like you're like dead to rights but we'll defend you you should take like the plea deal whatever whatever and like l Woods was the one to say like no nah, like I don't like I know you from your product da, 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 da. like I don't think you did this and you know El Woods was the only one
0: that believed her mm. and that reminds me of like another movie too like the jury duty was like similar where like he he fell backwards into solving the case with the Poli Shore. You know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So like he he solved the case by, um, like he was doing it for the wrong reasons to stay uh, to keep the trial going. But then he found out like the actual guy was innocent. So it's the same type of uh tomfoolery in these type of movies. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I liked it. It was. I'm am I'm, I'm not surprised that they made a sequel and then went to the Broadway. But it's just watching it now, for the first time, I'm like, it's. it felt like a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like Will and Grace. It felt like Will and Grace, like Clueless, it very, was, very over the top.
1: It was different, but you know what? It was um, necessary because, for one, you know, on here we talk a lot about, like, the Me Too and, like, sexual harassment, sexual, har- you know, sexual assault, and how it doesn't, like, you know, overtly you know, groping somebody or, you know, using your position. Like, oh, you sleep with me. You get this. Da, da, da. Like, that's a part of, like, the Me Too thing. So they had like, a scene where
0: Victor Garber. Victor Garber is a guy, and again, he's a guy from Will and Gris.
1: Yeah, so that... Victor, Victor Garber was, like, the professor. Victor Garber was Professor Callahan. So he invites her to his office to, like, discuss, like, Mm. under the guise of, like, he was, like, congratulating her for, like, what she did in the courtroom that day. But in reality, like, he tries to, like, come on to her. And she, like, rejects him and, like, slaps his wrist. And is like, no, but Selma Blair, whose character was... L's ex boyfriend's new girlfriend, you know, those two started to have like a friendship, but then she sees like him coming on to her, but like, she didn't see the rejection, so she was she was thinking like, oh, she's gonna sleep with the professor to you know become the 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 head of the class or whatever, whatever.
0: Yeah, very sitcom-ish like Miss mm-hmm. Miss Miss Um. I mean, miscommunication, uh, miss, you know what I mean? Yeah, but um, it, it was, it was
1: interesting because it, it, today, like that scene does hold up because it's like, you know, men of power, like be it your college professor or your boss, where in this case, he was like both. And he mm. was like, oh, well, the only way you're going to get ahead is if you
0: do this, um, yeah and you know what they used to like the it was very playful back then too like they would um like the whole idea of like being with your professor for women was kind of like it was ah oh, like a badge of honor sometimes like they would have very very much they looked at it differently in a lot of these like movies i watched and like tv shows like it was kind of like oh yeah my professor i like i dated my like because yeah, we talked TA. the,
1: we talked about it with the say about the bell yeah. And I think we talked about it with, with some other show where it was it was kind of like the same same thing. Um, but it was important to show both sides. Where it's like, you know, here's the woman and the guy's thinking like, oh, she's gonna do this because she wants to get here. And at the same time, there's the woman who's played by Selma Blair. That's like Oh, so she's going to do it and that's how she's going to get ahead. And that's why even though I'm the person that's like studying and working hard and trying to like break this this glass ceiling, like I'm not going to get ahead because that's not what I want to do. So it shows both sides. So that's relevant to today's society.
0: And also like as silly as it may sound because it's about like fashion and stuff, but you can say you can use the same example of uh, fashion, but you can say, oh, we have some other background that may seem uh, not um, not connected to, like, your, your, like, situation, like, in, like, a courtroom scene. But, like, she used her personal background that other people didn't know about, you know? So that, that can be, like, a uh, symbolism for, like, people who have other experiences other than yours. And she, like, she was able to, like, uh, uh, well, uh, use it, you know? Like, she used it for, like something that you wouldn't think it was for it. Yeah. Uh, and and it, she, you know, it's as silly as it sounds, but it's also could be like a symbolism for and she she yeah. essentially had to like win over like
1: everybody else in the in the group, you know, or keep going so I thought I don't judge a book by its cover type of thing. Cause she won over I think the only person that saw her value as a person and as a competent lawyer was luke wilson's character and like the one guy in the group that nobody talked to because they thought he was like a weirdo and it was just like yeah, oh, like both of them like helped her out and then luke wilson eventually became like her love interest and she she moved away from um she moved away from the the guy she was chasing
0: Yeah, and they had her Solomon blair also like broke up with that guy yeah, and they had, they had um, L like she was over, she was like a big fish in a small pond when she was doing fashion. And they're kind of like, you can be more than, you know, because she had like a 4.0 and all of that. And she was like kicking ass and, and undergraduate. And then she tried something. She she jumped out uh, out of her comfort zone and, you know, she grew. That's kind of a good message for, uh, now I'm thinking of like, you know, a girl, my back then a girl who was like eight or nine or 10 uh, watching it. I can see that kind of influencing them. Yeah, you go. In, like, in a bigger balance. world. In a bigger world, though. Like, this is something you saw. It seems very, very basic and very um, simplistic and like very fairy tale, where like she was going for the ring. Um, it was like the evil prince, it, the, the evil prince that she thought she was supposed to be with. And then she meets like the other prince um, who was like, like Ruan or. Uh, I don't want to. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I mean, again, I've, I've been thinking about this lately. There's only like, there's an old saying that there's only like six stories you can tell, right? There's like six or twelve stories, and they've been they're just told different ways. Uh, but it's always like the same. Like, there's always like a few handful of st- structures of stories, and this is very much a fairy tale, not in a condescending way, But it's like a fairy tale. Um, any, any any thoughts on uh?
1: Well, like, I just want to talk about like the people in the movie. Like Ali Lauder, who burst on the scene with like um you know it, it was it was kind of like a small role in this movie, but she like burst on the scene with like varsity blues with the whipped cream and all of that yes um but it came out like recently Leonard Roberts who I know from drumline you know the bad guy from drumline like he had a uncomfortable experience with her when they were both working on heroes Uh, uh, just you know a whole bunch of things and you know he's black and she's white so people kind of took like a racial like connotation to it but at the same time it was just like well she chose to be on Heroes with him as a love interest, and she was in obsessed with Beyonce and Idris Elba, where she was, you know, the yeah. other woman in their relationship. Uh, I don't know. It's one of those things I just um he said, she said type of thing, but I think he he didn't name her alone. He also talked about um, the showrunner and the various producers and writers on the show were, you know, kind of like nasty to him. I remember that. Man. That's what she's relevant for today. Another person on there, Jennifer Coolidge, who everybody knows as Stifler's mom, but she, she's a talented,
0: like, comedian. Oh, yeah. Christopher Guest movies. Comedic
1: actress, yeah. Um, she's awesome,
0: and that she was in Seinfeld. Uh, I think she was like kind of like a. a she's going for that whole. I think she's a like growling type, uh, ad, uh, improv type. Yeah, background. but she was she was
1: amazing in the movie. Like she was like her first friend. I was like her um nail. I a nail salon person. And L kind of L helped her out, so I thought I was important. Uh, Summer Blair, who's going through her own like physical stuff today. It was another movie where she was prominent in going along with Cruel Intentions, going along with um the Sweetest Thing, uh with Christina Applegate and Cameron Diaz. That's one of my favorite movies.
0: Well, we brought up the uh, Say by the Bell. Uh, isn't like the Dean in it? Like, that's the same woman, right? Remember, um, older. Oh.
1: What's her name? Holland, Holland Taylor.
0: Yeah. But I, I'm just like, yeah, Holland, the, Taylor, Holland Taylor. I know, D I know McMahon. it's, I know it's 2001, but it, it definitely feels like a nineties movie. Mm-hmm. I know how like air, decades aren't really like, like, you know, concrete. Like this is where it begins and ends. It, it kind of like seeps into the yeah, next. Yeah. Cause I do remember I
1: said that. I was like, Oh, that's D McMahon. And that was the first time I seen her in something. And then um she became even more famous for being on two and a half men. As
0: Charlie and his brother's mother. Another um competent a very uh by the number sitcom, but does it well. And uh this again this Lily Blonde reminded me of like a sitcom. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised it didn't turn into a show. Uh maybe if you wiki it, maybe they were trying to turn into a show. It could have been a show. You could have your own practice. You know, blonde and blonde on blonde or blonde and blonde. I don't uh, know. oh. Uh. Reese Witherspoon
1: is like too big for that shit now. Reese oh. Witherspoon, oh my God. I don't know what it is. Like,
0: whenever she has her hair like pulled back, I'm like enamored. I'm fascinated because I'm not into her. Uh, What about the third one? Do you know anything about the third one? I only read that they were going to make it. I know know, they it made is. like a straight to DVD one with like the two annoying
1: British girls from um Zach and, Cody, Suite Zach and Cody, Sweet Life of Second
0: and Cody. Sweet Life. Like, no, I don't know Are they making all the one Yeah they are It comes out next year But okay. it's a Mindy Remember Mindy I brought up earlier Mindy Kling I forget oh, that uh... Alright So yeah, I. So they're gonna have it It's um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine And her I guess it's probably a Fox Searchlight deal Or whatever Because they're with Fox I think mm-hmm. Um. So I think it's It says May 20, May 2000 May 2022 But uh i have no other details i'm going in blind but uh i don't know if you if you could make legally blonde uh reboot how would you do it now would you do it like um how how would you do it now
1: man i would do it the same way i think like the butt street crowd doesn't like like the whole like chasing your boyfriend type of thing
0: but... but at the end but oh yeah but at the end She did end up with a man anyway. Like it wasn't like at the end she realized she. Yeah, but what are you?
1: What are you supposed to do in movies now? You're just supposed to end up like single. Uh, I was watching. I was watching um, Breakfast Club, and mm. it's it's very valid points. Like with Judd Nelson and like Claire was. uh, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Like a, a movie is supposed to just end up. Um, I don't know. Are you Open supposed to just it. end up a, a, alone? Well, Brian ends up uh writing the at the end of paper. the day, like you get the choice because, like, at the end of that movie, like the guy he wanted her, he was gonna dump Selma Blair for her, and she's like, nah, like I'd rather be with this guy that like actually like respects me and like appreciates me. So,
0: hey, also, with this last thing I'll say about Legally Bond, it reminded me of you go into school, they make you choose a major pretty much. And then by the end, you don't even want to do it, and you find yourself in college. That's like kind of like a simple, simplified thing of this. But you add in the whole uh, girl power thing because it's two thousand one. Um, I don't know. I think it. I think it holds up, even though I never saw it back then. Um, me going in, and, me watching it for the first time, like. I'm into, I want to get more into these movies that I missed in like 20 years ago maybe I thought I was too cool or I just maybe just never watched a lot of these like teen type movies um but that might be fun just to see like because uh, a lot of things do not hold up well uh, and what we're gonna talk about next is something from that same era um, that for the last few years especially the last couple of years people have been looking back at it and um, saying the thing it hasn't it hasn't held out held up and it's friends mm-hmm. you've read it i mean you're the buzzfeed guy i know there's a lot of articles about like uh they call it transphobic because uh, uh chandler's dad uh was um transitioned to a woman and that was like the joke of it um you know what other ones well i mean like they had the fat thing where monica like had all the flashbacks, and they're making fun of her for being fat silly uh the nose like J- jennifer aniston had a big nose uh well but then but then on the flip side it reminds me of simpsons because simpsons were like getting applauded for having a character having a poo and then a gener- two generation our generation goes by and the outlook on it is completely different looking back like in 94 they got an award from like the american indian institute or something like that or like the something like that they're saying, oh, representation, even though it was a white person doing the character writing and white, written by white people, just the idea of having this character on the thing was good enough for them at the time. And then looking back, they said it wasn't. So with Friends, um, you know, people of all different races and uh, genders and stuff watch this and um, over, the, you know, they still, so why are you saying like, oh, it came out in 94, um, why talk about now? But the whole thing is, people grew up on this, and um, you know, it's part of their childhood. It's part of their like upbringing too. So, like you watching Friends, like going back, like, how do you like you watch it still? Like when you see it pop on it, because it was on like Channel Eleven growing up. It was on Nick at Night still, uh, TBS, and then streaming, and then the whole big deal with HBO Max when that launch was supposed to be Friends reunion. Mm-hmm. So, like Friends is always going to be like one of the biggest rerun syndicated whatever old shows that are still around so it's that's why it's relevant that's why even the 27 years later since the debut um it's important to see like how they would handle this whole re not revisionist but like not revisionist that's the wrong word uh re looking back at it at uh different generations looking back at it uh you know so chug looking back at friends doesn't hold up no and I'm a, I'm a fan of Friends. But you can still watch it, right? So, like, that's still why
1: we're I talking. I, I, like, I still like the show. Like, I, growing up, mm-hmm. my mom and my sister used to watch it. So, I watched it, but I didn't necessarily like it back then when it was, like, actually airing every week on Thursday up until its finale. Like, I remember watching its finale, and I remember watching... Joey, which is something they didn't even, on oh, yeah. top of many other things, they didn't even bring that up on the reunion. Um, but the, the, when I really, really got into it was when I was in college and I was in Western Pennsylvania outside of Pittsburgh and I was homesick. Here I was watching a show that was filmed in like Burbank. LA, California, on a set made to look like New York City, but it was the closest that I got to being home. And I used to watch it every day because it used to come on on TBS like in the afternoon, like right after, like in between, like right before dinner, after like my one afternoon class, and probably before like my evening class. So I would watch it every day. Um, but the the thing that became more glaring over time, when you watch it, is like the lack of diversity, specifically, um, African Americans. And I live in New York. You live in New York, Mike. Like you see black people everywhere. So to to go through like all these different seasons and then not being like. A prominent supporting character of African American design, you know, you you'd have to explain that because um, the two crea- <clears throat> the two creators of it, David Crane and Martha Kaufman, they said they based it on their time um, when they were in their twenties in the Village in New York
0: City, and I think like. David Crane's gay. Yeah, uh, they were married. They were married and then like he came out as gay, but they stayed like business partners. Something like that.
1: Yeah, I don't know that part. Um, But they based it on their group of friends where it's just like, you know, when you're in your 20s, like your friends or your family. Mm -hmm. And that's how the whole basis of it came. And if you watch the show, how the show ended was when they started branching out and starting their own families. But it it really like the whole thing. It was like two hours long, and I think like the Fresh Prince one was like an hour long, and it wasn't brought up in this one. Like the the Fresh Prince one, like it tackled like it was a celebration of the show. People hit heavy stuff such as you know James Avery dying,
0: Mm. um. Didn't Will Smith and someone else not meet each other for a long time and they had like a meeting literally on stage? Something like that, like a real-life moment? Yeah, him and Viv because, Mm -hmm.
1: you know, they had like a decades-long feud and I was confronted where they talked and, you know, they presented, you know, reasons for that and the reconciliation and all of that. But with the friends, it was like all hunky-dory. It was like, ooh, this is what we love. And we miss each other. And, you know, we had James Corden, who I know we're not. I don't like him. I'm not a fan of him. Uh, You know what? Like, I've heard his story, and I'm, like, I'm uh... proud of where he came from. But he's so ubiquitous that
0: whenever I see him, I get annoyed. Just, uh,
1: oh, wait. You I, know wanna,
0: I don't know I don't know anything about his background I just know that I don't think karaoke shit I'm not a fan of that That's not my cup of tea mm-hmm. That's, So to speak uh, I'm gonna do Devil's Ave Alright so Friends Especially like they were trying to do this I guess they're trying to have this be purely What escapism Like Friends, Nostalgia Let's only focus on the fun stuff But this is what now I'm gonna flip it And say Yes people want that but there's so many diverse audience who grew up on this show that they, you know, exactly what you're saying. So, like, they can't just blindly have the escapism and watch this and because that's always been something on their mind, you know? Like, that's always been uh, something that they thought of. So, you don't have, like, the benefit of a, hey, let's just talk about the good clips and talk about uh, have silliness, like you said, the hunky-dory thing. So, like, so I keep going back and forth like is it the forum like I'm gonna ask you in a moment to pitch me how would they bring this up organically um but you also said that uh so I'm gonna ask you that in a second but I'm gonna go back to where I started watching it when it first came out and I was watching it pretty much uh because like my mom and my sister were watching it together mm-hmm. but late 90s I was watching it like you know every week like I think the first episode I watched like that I remember like sitting down like oh I gotta get home shit it was the one with the leather pants where mm-hmm. he gets stuck in the pants Ross so Ross is my guy
1: yeah uh, Ross is my favorite character too uh, and I, don't, right, so- I, don't, I really don't care for like I, I, and you know what like people watching us, are like friends they'll probably be like oh he they, they like Ross so like they're bad people but I, I feel up. like Ross got like the bad end of the sick as a matter of fact I'll talk about like BuzzFeed and they shit on him yeah I remember some like one of the first times I went off in like the comments on blood on Buzzfeed was that it was trying to say that like um I can't remember if it's Susan or Carol he was married to Carol and it's Carol's his wife yeah yeah and they were saying like every time like Susan popped up like he was very like nasty to her and like insulting. He would be, though, to any guy.
0: If it was a guy, too, he'd be mad. He stole his wife.
1: And that was my point. I was like, I understand that this is BuzzFeed, and you want to be all, like, you know, LGBT, you know, uh, super-duper liberal and whatever, whatever. But I'm like, if that was a guy, like, every time he popped up on a show, I would hate him. Because every time, like, when I watched different shows, and it was, like, some kind of, like, home-wrecking guy, or home-wrecking woman like i want to be a like a, like a, a woman who like the man in a relationship had an affair with and left and mar- remarried or whatever like i'd be like i don't like that person so i didn't understand why it was like so okay because it was like a lesbian couple you know it's groundbreaking in nice it, or, yeah, yeah back then well, it's groundbreaking, but it's also, like, you gotta give, like, Ross a lot of credit. Like, he co-parented mm-hmm. his son with these two people. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he wasn't like, oh, like, all right, like, he, you know, he's gonna be confused if he grows up, like, with two moms. Like, Ross didn't say, oh, he was just like, oh, yeah. well, you know what, like, um, you know what, if that's what makes Carol happy, like... You know, she'll grow up in a loving home and I'll be doing my thing here, blah, 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 and we'll share custody and make it work. You know, he doesn't get credit for that shit.
0: But in the 90s, like there was a, they were making jokes about Friends and Seinfeld saying... Back in the nineties, they were saying that like, "Oh, you 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 uh, have a show based in New York, and there's no black people." Like people, like that was like a whole thing on like Dev G- Comedy Jam. We talk about that, and Chris Rock. Might, someone in the nineties made jokes about that. It was very, very like pedestrian jokes, which is funny of, like,
1: because like Chris Chris Rock was like one of the people that was up for George Costanza.
0: No way. Yeah, that's that's funny. Um, well, he he was popular with the penny. He had the penny thing, right? Little penny. All right, so. Uh, Oh, he had other shit too. What am I talking about? He's on SNL. What am I talking about? Um, so uh, David Schwimmer brought it up too. He was like, "Oh, I was always like pushing for uh, diversity." Like he mentions, like Julie, like oh, he had an Asian uh, girlfriend, uh, Asian American girlfriend. Um, and then eventually we'll talk about it. They had that moment with Gabrielle Union. Uh, but in the nineties, they were saying that they needed diversity. They were trying to even in the even when it was airing, like in the like season was, seven. Here's the
1: thing: David Schwimmer was the one that was like pushing. Food. yeah
0: so like it happened and if i remember watching it when it happened i remember it was being like in the newspaper they were like oh they're trying to they're addressing it in the way they would say it in the 90s way different than the way they would say it now uh but then i rewatched that recently and i felt really weird uh, just because maybe in my mind i was like are they over are they like overtly or uh overdoing it where like they're like almost fighting to get this woman's attention and like i remember because i'm in the context of back then they were like friends just to quote oscar oh french is so white you know that whole thing um but that was a big deal like they had uh i love like a like a date a girl they were trying to both date um that was that was season seven like near the end of the show it was 2001 uh but then let's forget one of my favorite people from back then uh talk to talk post aisha taylor became like a regular semi-regular
1: mm-hmm. and she turned it on she turned on the reunion because she was like i was only on like nine episodes why would i be on it
0: yeah, um, and I was like, "Oh, um, she was like, I came and I went. Well, I went and i, would, I mean, not." <laughs> Paul Rudd too. Yeah. So like, why would um? Hank Azari wasn't on it either. So he's kind of like he he has Brock but he's kind of like laying low for reasons like the whole thing is similar to us. Um, yeah,
1: he's he's great. He's been great about yeah, He's like those things. He, so I, he, I I don't think that's the reason why.
0: Oh yeah, I like him. Um, no, but like. And Paul Wait. Rowe
1: wasn't on it either, so...
0: Yeah, yeah. But organically, how would they have done this? Like, um, how, Pitch it. Can you pitch it to me? Like organically, like sitting on like the... It would feel weird. It would feel forced if they... I don't know where they bring it. They're sitting World on the... For
1: one, like you have James Corden doing the shit. Yeah. Like that was like the first thing. I was just like, oh my God, why is he on this? Like first of all, like he's a CBS guy. Mm-hmm. So like wouldn't it make more sense to have, like Seth Meyers or Jimmy Fallon or
0: and yeah I know um yeah. Lily it's Singh Bros.
1: I didn't even realize like Lily Singh is on after both of those guys like she David- she's a big like personality now and she's a person I call her like why you know I've heard like
0: um addressing it. That's how you would do it, dude. That's how you would do it. You would have it, oh, I grew up watching this. I didn't see my face on TV, but I still love the show, and then that's the way you organically bring it up, and that's Mm why we aren't there, but that's how you pitch it. Have someone who is, you know, a fan, and then be like, oh, you know, that's how you bring it up, and you organically bring it up like that, and that's could have been, you know, it would have been more... And then
1: it, it took so long, and then, like, the black people that were on the show, like, when it comes out like Gabrielle Union, she was like, All right, I think she was on the show in like 2001. 2001 so, this is yeah. like after, like, bring it on. So, mm-hmm. they were like talking to her as if like it's the first time she's ever been on like a set of anything. And she, she thought that shit was like condescending. Um, so she, she didn't enjoy that experience. So, when you did have black people on there, it wasn't like an enjoyable experience. Um, and then you got Ayesha who was just like, yeah, like I was this, you know, I think she, what she felt, but she didn't want to put out there in like such overt terms was she kind of felt like the token black person. And it was it, it like the show presented like so many opportunities like it's funny because on Wayne's Brothers, Marlon Wayne was like an actor, and he was on a his character was an actor who was on a show called Everybody Loves Everybody, and he was like the token black guy, but he would do stereotypical black guy stuff, and he was playing Lucius. Like if you if you if you remember it, I
0: used to watch it all the time. But I don't remember it now though, mm-hmm.
1: and. It was like a parody of friends. So it was it was just like as if you dropped like a random black guy into it. And it was like, if if you did friends, you would have did it that way. So my issue from it is like a couple of different things. For one, there was a black show that basically had the same formula as friends. That came out virtually around the same time, if not earlier. Predates. Mm-hmm. Living single. Where you had...
0: Three 90s two, girls. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know kind of but
0: they, they had their Three girls, nine, though. <laughs> not my girls. Keep your head up.
1: Yeah. And on top of that, it was like a female predominant cast. Because you had Queen Latifah, Erica Alexander, um... Oh my God. Kim Fields I I mean, uh, Kim Coles Kim Coles Kim Fields So you have four women It was a female dominated show Black female dominated show And then You have my man That played Maxwell Shaped um, that guy And then the... If you If you ain't even know Like he's the voice of He, he was because he talked about that, he got replaced. He was the voice of Kratos in God of in the God of War video game series. If you're familiar with those, and then you have my man who played um, who's on the Hughleys too, but it was a black show, and it essentially had the same vibe. You know, New York, young, unmarried. You know, entrepreneurs. Figuring, yeah, entrepreneurs figuring out life in your twenties, and it was um very. Groundbreaking in the fact, like you said, Mike, where, um, my boy who was playing Cradles, he was, uh, partner in like an architecture firm or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Queen Latifah's character was
0: worker. no, she a word, was, uh, social worker
1: No, no, she owned her own magazine.
0: Magazine, yeah.
1: And then Erica Alexander was. Her um, was a, was a lawyer. Mm, all
0: right, that's what at I mean.
1: a big law law firm. So this wasn't like people like oh like one was working at a grocery store, one was like a um working at like a burger joint. Like they had like prominent jobs. This was Af- you know black people of means, and they kind of did their things and the. Thing that my guy he said when he did his DJ Vlad interview, he was like, "Yeah, it was shooting on the same lot as Friends." And he was like, "You could see the differences. Like they have better food, better caterings. They had like a bigger studio, um, bigger sets, all of these different things. So you could see the racial divide in in, in those things. So that was my one thing, and then." You know, fast forward to today in response to this reunion special, Martha Kaufman, she she was like, well, you know what, like, I wouldn't recast anybody on Friends, you know, talking about like the main characters, which I agree with because, you know, every single one of them are extremely talented. Courtney Cox, um, Matt LeBlanc, uh, David Swimmer, Jennifer Aniston, um, Lisa Kudrow. Matthew Perry, Holmeson.
0: Oh, that's all the main ones, but you had the others, you the people that are like, you know, Kerry Gar was always on it. You had uh what's his name? Tom Selleck was always on it. You had uh you forgot like um
1: No, but she was talking about like the main cast and I'm yeah, like, nobody's saying like you had to replace them. It's just like you had all of these different people around them that you going to like hide playing these roles. Like um Imagine if Richard, who you were talking about, Tom Selleck, was played by a famous black actor from way back when. You know, I like Phoebe was always like, you know,
0: in her own thing. Oh, like you oh, telling hey, me, man. yeah, you gonna you you telling that's, me
1: like she wanted to mess with like a black guy.
0: That that's the way to, they should. That's the way to do it because even with Richard, it, it was a family friend, and these people are these the long island yeah i don't know i wouldn't have seen that happening but she would have been the perfect uh gate you know like person to introduce a character from like a club oh we're going to this club you know we're going to this like very bohemian like club or or even one of her friends her business partner at the, at the masseuse thing could have been you know very mm-hmm. easily, very organically it wouldn't have been so shoving like force force it um what about what about well, like uh, if they had like a Ryan random... blanks co-star could have been Or like if they could have had like a random
1: waiter at Central Perk being like the black guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of you know, like the the the, like Gunther's like assistant and but like he was like a hip (laughs) here you go. He's like a hip black dude with like these one liners, you know, and like you know, another character I thought like you could have probably replaced um John Favreau. Like
0: huh yeah yeah he was one of, he was the one of the boyfriends tom Selleck. you had him yeah but i'm saying like they could have had him yeah he was
1: like um that was like the gist where he was like a customer in this mm. diner that because courtney cost was like a chef so she had to she quit her job and she had to like sub she couldn't find like any other jobs as like the main chef and like a you know five star restaurant so she started working as a waitress slash cook in like a diner mm-hmm. so the, the 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 thing about um John Favreau's character was like he was a customer he had like a crush on her and he kept on asking her out asking her out and she kept on like turning him down and she finally gave him a chance and then after the date she found out like he was like this millionaire so I'm thinking like You got, like, a black dude playing that role. Where it was just, like... He seemed, like, just, like, a regular dude that used to come to this restaurant asking her out. And then she took him out. And then found out, like... Oh, shit. He got, like, a shit ton of money. Like, I I think, like, two broke girls kind of did the same shit with, um... Eric Andre. Like, and he was dating, um... Uh... I only know Kat. Yeah, Kat Dunning's character... And it comes to find out, like he was like, because he used to live in like a like a van, and then you come to find out, like his father, like he, he was biracial, but you know Eric Andre, he looks black with his afro, so it would have been like, oh, like he's like this rich black guy, but
0: you know. Eh. And and it, and it takes place in similar um, type of neighborhood, like uh, you know, you know. Of course, friends is like uh, the village, and two brokers is what yeah. Brooklyn Brooklyn or something like
1: that? lower east side.
0: Uh, lower east uh, side, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe it Some, something like that. Greenpoint is either Greenpoint or Lower East side. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a, the organic ways they could have done it. Um,
1: there's so many ways, honestly, like, to say, like, oh, all right, well, it was 1994, but you ended the show in 2004. Like, you're telling me over like these 10 years, and then you know, you didn't realize society changed around you and then among other things I remember somebody tweeted out when they find when they put out like the guest list with like okay. Justin Bieber and Lady Gaga and like Cara Delavine, like all of these people and it was like now we're gonna be a part of the reunion like somebody tweeted it was like wow even a reunion it's all white like no black people or something like that so she responded to that she was like well Mindy Kaling was on and I'm like Mindy Kaling Mindy Kaling is like a white girl like that's like dipped in like chocolate like if you if I heard Mindy Kaling before I saw her I would think she would look
0: like the blonde from Two Broke Girls isn't that her shtick though like when she's on Office when she's a Kelly you know that was her shtick like she talked like a ballet girl or yeah. like a Paris Harris Oh, my God. She's such I a mean...
1: I mean, we talked about it in the thing when we were talking about, like, Kamala Harris, where she was like, her daughter was like, Mommy, is that you? Oh, yeah, this light-skinned black woman, is that you? But, like, oh, my God. Like, Mindy Kaling like, annoys me. Upset. I was like, yo, Kelly. I think Kelly Kapoor is, like, the most cringe-worthy character in television history.
0: Hmm. Yeah, uh, man or woman, like she's perverted in 10 years on episode five, whatever it will be. Office is going to be very similar to Friends, where like it, it t- Office came off Office, out. I block people on it, though. Oh, I know, yeah, I don't mean like that, I meant like, um, uh, I don't know. My point is, like, 10 years went by that, that debuted like a year after Friends ended, and um. They had well, you're right. They had, they had a diverse cast. That um, was only a, a year later, mm-hmm. you know. But I met with uh, a lot of the jokes were uh, fucking pushing it with like PG-13. Um, I rewatched that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know where I was going with that. I, I just wanted to. Say, I just want to bring up that I can't believe that. But that came out 16, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just a. Uh, that's just me be feeling sad that I'm old now. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna not defend uh, friends. I'm gonna say that they're not the show. On one hand, they are the show because so many different types of people grew up on it, and you have to address your fans because you wouldn't be doing a reunion just for yourselves. I don't. Know. Circle jer- like I said, don't I don't. I don't understand
1: how. Okay, you could defend. Like it's 1994. You wanted like Euro struggling. Writer, producer, whatever, whatever. And you wanted this show to stay. And it's just like... Okay. So these are the six best people we could get. But my thing is... Like, going over the years... The famous thing about Friends was... That all six main characters... And the actors... They went to the negotiating table together. Mm -hmm. And it was less like... Listen... Like whatever Jennifer Aniston's getting is the same thing Matthew Perry and Matt LeBlanc is getting. Like, or else we're not doing this thing.
0: And it carried over to the reunion too. They weren't going to do a reunion unless they all did it. And it's thirty years of that stuff, you know.
1: Like, I like I I I love all those people. Like, remember, I, I you know I love Lisa Kudrow. I love like I'm a big fan of Matthew Perry. Mal Blanc is doing the best, like TV wise. He got awards last mm-hmm.
0: year. He's kicking it. He's he's embraced. He looked the most natural.
1: But the only Oops. person that was in there using their negotiating pool to get some type of color on our show was David Schwimmer, and he's his character is the one character that gets the most shit. So mm-hmm. me and you, we've been supporting. We're, we're Ross guys. Well, yeah,
0: I'm a Ross guy. We're gonna make that shirt. That's gonna be on our uh, our website. It'll be on our website soon. Um, but you said the character gets a shit. No, the actor gets shit too because he had this whole thing where he bought a mansion in real life. Like he bought a mansion in Manhattan. Um, that was like the 1800s, and it was like a New York or United States historic whatever. So a site like BuzzFeed. I don't want to completely just say it was BuzzFeed because it could have been some other website. Uh it was like David Schwimmer is like the worst person on earth. It was like, just like talking about the man, the actor uh, saying like, he does all this uh, de- defaming the man, not the character, not the actual, uh, not the Ross. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause like he completely remodeled the place and people are like, Oh, you're destroying the neighborhood and things like that. So he, so he gets shit on in real life too. And he had to go to the U S he's in the UK now. He's doing a show in the UK. That's my guy. So, He's gonna be on the show next week when I I'm having him as a guest a guest a guest host. We gotta get that kind of pull. Well, you know
1: what? So we're gonna end it on like a positive note, and I'm gonna tell you why I like Ross because he's the most relatable. Because I used to always get always used to get shit for like the things I wear, so I relate to him in the um the love the pants episode, right? Mm, oh yeah. And then my personal favorite episode. Of the show was the episode where he's trying to get to the bottom of who has been eating the sandwich. <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah. like, "You ate my sandwich," and it's just like anybody who's had like some food that you're waiting to get to. Oh yeah, it's violation. And somebody ate it, or somebody like threw it out, and then you find it. You find out who it is, and it's just like you want to like choke that person. Like it's so relatable. And then just the fact, like, the, the the marriage thing, like, that's the one thing, like, people hold over his head. Like, the fact that, like, he's been, like, divorced, like, all these times. Like, first of all, like, his first wife married him, and she might have been bisexual or lesbian. So she really didn't have, like, no right, like, marrying him and, like, should have told him the truth. Um, Emily. No, you know? man, he toyed with that. He got toyed. She basically told him like he could never speak mm. to Rachel ever again. and even though like him and Rachel were like lovers, they were still friends. so that was kind of like a territorial thing. And then lastly, Rachel, like they got married in Vegas. so why was it all on him to get the divorce shit done? Like that's on Rachel. She should have, you know, and yeah. they admitted on the show that they were on a break.
0: Yeah, um, that's another thing. Uh, I, was our, I was on a, I was on a break. But also, um, I was actually that me and my girlfriend our first like Halloween together. We were um, drunk, Ross and Rachel. I had the hello, Mr. Raw Ro- Mrs. Ro- Rachel, or Mr. Rachel, whatever it was in the in the cat thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember like I was wearing it just for fun, you know. I wasn't indulging that day. I was just on the train, and these like kids. I guess this was like five, seven years ago. But they were like, "Where do you supposed to be?" And they're like, "All like." assaulting me with their 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 lushness they're all over me and I'm like uh have you ever seen friends oh yeah yeah it's just really annoying but you forgot about Julie so uh, Rachel had That's no right memory. no 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 I just meant just to just hear me out Rachel had no right to clay, lay claim because they were just still friends I didn't really do anything you know and Julie was like completely alienated from the group right away and like you're supposed to root for Rachel like you're rooting for Rachel and she's being a piece of shit to, you know Ross got the short end of the stick uh and also I'm a Ross guy also because of his his sound um his keyboards um you know so I that that always made me laugh because uh I used to make music too Mm -hmm. yeah so Ross you tried
1: Ross guys
0: Ross guys all the way all right Shug so we made it to the final final end of our uh watching the WWE Legends A&E biography. Uh, I'm sad. I am sad, but I'm also uh, kind of burnt out. <laughs> no. we got to figure out a way to fill in the last, like, 40 minutes of every episode now. So, listen, um, out of the eight of them, um, best there is, best or was, best ever will be, Brett, him, and Hart, uh, I started off uh, – Nice. it Reminded me of Mick Foley's uh, documentary where it started off from the man's point of view, and Bret Hart, he's painting. He's an easel. You know, uh, I've seen his. I read his book, and he used to draw characters of other wrestlers on, while on the road, and uh, then at the same time, the Bret Hart was an artist on the other canvas. You know, the ring. That's so, all like that you whole know, cliche they would always say about him that he was, you know, masterful and in art in, artist in the ring, and um, they jumped off right off with this with trying to push push that uh, whole uh, theme. Uh, what did you think of this so far? I mean, what did you think of this right off the bat when they started with that nice little intro?
1: I liked it. I don't know. He he drew and stuff like that, so it was.
0: And he has a nice style. Like he had a cool, like, f- remind me of Mad Magazine. Here, I'm gonna just show you, but this is like, I'm showing Shug his actual drawings that he had in his uh, best-selling book. um,
1: what's that show? Uh,
0: the one on like ABC,
1: cartoon. Um, just Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very like much kind of like animation. I'm not saying like. Bret Hart was like schoolhouse rock, but his animation it reminded me of that.
0: Yeah, it's it's a funky quirky little style. And uh, so we go in there. Um going with the whole theme of him being an artist, um, uh, they mentioned a lot of cool things that um that had nothing really to do with the wrestling. He like he he always had like ideas of being like, uh, like a movie in movies and stuff, and from just from that idea of using that idea of uh he, he wanted to tell stories in the ring and stuff uh that really like looking back at his career he was really the most like most dramatic uh figure in wrestling like I believed him as a kid like when he like would hold his leg and like like he would sell that knee injury man I was like god damn his knee Brett's knee's hurting man I was like five years old like uh during his Brett Hart and Owen Hart uh feud I mean I was all I was Owen Hart all the way of course I'm the younger brother but man, wow, he that was like the purest form of me being a fan, and it was Bret Hart. Um, so this this was a fun watch for me. Um, main themes of uh, the Bret Hart story. You have family. Mm-hmm. And the personification of it is the Hart house. Right, you had you had they described it as a hotel style, like almost a hotel estate, but at the same time they also described it as like an orphanage. So or like, you know, a place where people are in and out. Uh, people, wrestlers come in, stay, leave. The kids grow up there. They leave. They come back with their families. Like the guys who are the oldest, because you had 12 siblings. They're full-grown adults coming back. And you got like Owen Hart is probably like five. Uh, so I'm just picturing these like rats running around, like animals running around. And you got these hairy like, wrestlers in and out and stuff. Um, I think right there you have Young Rock. You could have a like, Heart House would be like a, a good show back in the day, like a cartoon. If like Brett wanted to, he could probably could have made a cartoon back then, just with his like animations, um, you could have you know all these different characters coming in and out. Uh, sticking with the family, you know, um, his father, you know, Stewart was a big deal. McFoley um, was kind of pushed. Uh, he had his own ideas of standing out brett was more he was doing it for family um that was a big deal and would come it would be a big deal in a lot of the major points of uh his career in life that they show uh it was about honor uh as a as a heart and as a canadian that's kind of the themes that uh were pushed throughout the this uh what about you would you Talking about family, would you think of the? Of course, everyone always talks about the Heart Foundation and the Heart family. Uh, what What does that mean to you? Well, you know, what I mean, like he started wrestling. You know, he's five years old. He's he's selling pro. Uh, he's selling programs like right away. It's like the Heart family. He's doing everything for the family. Uh, he's he grew up in the business, so. Oh, okay. All right. You know so, what I mean?
1: yeah. So, I was familiar. With him from the Wrestling with Shadows, which ironically I first saw on AE when I was a kid. And that part about him not even wanting to be a wrestler, like that was new to me until I saw this episode where it was just like, he got into the business just to get into the business. And it's probably
0: like the most famous heart family member of them all. Of course. So he's five. He said he was making 200 bucks a week. You know, it's crazy like selling this. And, um, this, the new thing for me was really awesome to see his, uh, film school stuff. How cool was that? Like he went to school. He was trying to like, uh, he made his own little eight millimeter films. Um, but at the same time, he was still, you know, the Hart family. He was uh, – it was a family business. Um, it's what they did. It was like their family, they were, were, uh, you know, they were in the wrestling business. They had other ventures, too. They had, like a, like, a lake house. So from day one, like, you're born, and as soon as you could walk, like, you're, you're doing work for the family. And uh, that continued – like he probably turned around and was like, oh shit, I'm the world day for world champion. And he was just kind of just doing the family business, you know, and he turned around and like, Wow. Look at me. I'm like, I didn't expect it. Cause he, he, he always, I don't want to say, and not in a bad way, but he's like, he's like always a half empty type of guy, you know, a lot of things like where he, there's a moment where they mentioned how Vince is expanding and um, Stu Hart, Brett's father was selling, they're trying to sell. So Stu, you know, the honor was like, Vince, you got to take these guys. You got to take Brett, my, uh, my sons-in-laws and, uh, and then you yeah, have you know, and his cousin. Uh, and Brett was kind of like, uh, I was skeptical that Vince was actually going to follow, follow through and like, try to like do something positive with me. So Brett was still like, you know, he was just doing it because it was like the family business. Um, so that's in the eighties. So they kind of like jump into that. Um, you know, I, I, I still want to stick with the the family part because, um, on the other channel, you know, we we talked about the Ultimate Warrior had a companion episode, so to speak, with Dark Side of the Ring, the Vice, uh, pro wrestling docu show. So this week we had Bret Hart, but we also had one uh, on, uh, kind of someone who was closely associated with the Hart family, uh, which was the Dynamite Kid, who was uh, Bret's if there's a family tree it's like brett's ex ex-wife's sister's husband uh or you could say like his brother-in-law's cousin right or a really good friend or cousin right so um they worked out that way this week too where we had a companion episode and yeah so you know like brett hart uh he's going into his family business the hart family you know he had other aspirations of course you know like, like us like we, we we like creative creative we're creative minds you know he was making his films like with his friends. He wanted to be like, you know, go to film school and stuff, which is cool. I didn't ever know, knew that. Mm -hmm. So, um, but all the while, like, so he's in his family's business. He's wrestling. He's having some success in Calgary. uh, You know, starting a family doing that whole standard thing that guys do. And then he finds himself in another family business, the the McMahon's, you know, the Mm -hmm. big time. And he was so spectacle, uh, it was, Sus, they, they was taking over like everything. Well, well Vince McMahon is expanding. They, they,
1: they talked about it too in the, in the thing. They were saying that, like, you know, wrestling was very like territorial. And Vince's dad, when it was the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, he wanted to maintain like the Northeast, you know, New York, Connecticut, Eastern Pennsylvania part of it. And it was very radical. And that was one of the things where Brett and Vince, he, he kind of saw like the, all right, like I'm not trying to do what my father's trying to do. I'm trying to do like my own thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, thing. yeah, like they're both uh, multi-generational wrestling, you know, guys in a f- you know They're multi wrestlers, So that's why they saw each other uh, as almost peers, you could say. Uh, or, you know, but Stu. Brett's father, you know, old school guy. He wants to go, you know, he's, he's older, too. Like, Brett was younger, like uh, one of the youngest of the siblings. So, Sue's, like, you know, getting up there. And you have Vince McMahon Jr., he got the energy. He, you see, and now he's kind of, you know, he's, like, decrepit or whatever. But he had energy. He had piss and vinegar. You know, the balls of grapefruit, even in the late 50s, he was still, like, rocking and rolling, jacked up, cover of muscle fitness and shit, you know. So, like, you know, all right, so you have Vince McMahon Doing the whole thing and expanding, doing something that you didn't expect. Uh, so Calgary's absorbed pretty much. Um, what's the future for Brett now? Like his whole thing was all right, well, I'm working for my, my dad, you know, my family business. Uh, they stressed the fact that the, they lived and died off of wrestling and all the other business ventures they had. Uh, they kind of like you know they always compare pro wrestling to like the circus. You know it came out of this carny 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 culture. It came out of the carnivals and stuff. um The Hart family they were like outcasts and where they grew up. You you know it's that part where they were like handing mm-hmm. down clothes yeah, and, and they, shit. And they you used to bet get, you, you know. Brett yeah, fart. So, yeah, Brett yeah, hard fart. You know like, that shit annoyed me. Mm-hmm. um I had a name because Mooney. the you know, people would say like, "What you moon people?" And I'd be mm-hmm. like, "Fuck you!" And I would do uh, I would do the uh, Stone Cold center Um no, uh, that's where I get my edge from. No, so you got like all right, so now Bret Hart and his family, you know, pretty much like his extended family are going to this big time, you know, they're leaving this uh live and die off of this like one event at a time to this like corporation big time. Uh almost, hey, what did Vince say? We make movies. So, you know, Bret Hart wanted to make movies. You know, he, I, I had the whole film school thing. It was kind of a new thing uh, to me. I know that he would be, played a cowboy later on. You know, that was he said was the biggest, most favorite part of his career in his life. Which was, you know, he, you know, had the Hollywood looks and stuff. So, hey, he's with Vince now. Um, hey, let's see what happens. This isn't just ra- wrestling, you know, my, my family business now. This is like closest to Hollywood that he could have gotten at the time. So, the 80s, you know, the 80s are moving along um we talked about Shawn michaels and his breakup with marty professionally and personally um it played out you know on tv um it's a big deal his brother-in-law was his tag team partner and back then that shit was like ride or die that was i'm serious like you lived together um you made money together you had to work together pretty much a lot you know you you were a tag team so they they're gonna separate them, and again, Brett is skeptical of Vince. Yeah, and was cool a, how they talked about
1: how like they were supposed to drop the belts to the Rockers. Yeah, yeah, but the the ring fell apart or something like that. But Brett
0: was like. You know, recall some him it like professional went Yeah, through. the artist. Yeah. yeah, he was like, I can paint this picture now. Trust me, that he, because again, he could tell that like Vince would have like used everything in post. And again, it's like like again like the creative mind. He was like, oh, they can just like fix that shit, fix it up, and we're gonna be over here for a while, and then we'll finish it. Finish this. Uh, but for as a docu, they're planting the seeds with um, a huge relationship. Is not just like Vince and Brett that was a huge dynamic a huge uh, relationship in brett's life but then you have brett and sean and you like sean michaels on this docu was more candid than on his own docu you know is that like i felt like sean was very very open on yeah, this one like they talked about like the sunny days thing you know <laughs> it would been funny the- as
1: hell if they got like um tammy such on there but
0: i, I was like a brick. She was in jail. Too far. Well, she, yeah, just, she just got out of jail, right now. I mean, but I, I think I don't know when this is gonna air. But she just got out of jail. I think like she.
1: Uh, no, I think like the the fact that they didn't harp on it, like the Montreal screw job and everything, then go like. I, I think that's support that they did that was like well done because it's like everybody's heard this story yeah, yeah everybody's heard everything like we're not gonna spend like the last half an hour like
0: talking about it i thought that was cool but it was well, well with sean though uh i just like his can his openness he was like i was a full-on prick that's right. I, I just i was like He's being so much more open now. I like that. Like he's not doing the whole like oh I plead the fifth thing. And he's like, he's yeah, about, and I like- think
1: it, it came from both sides because Brett was like, yeah, like I, you know, I, I beat him up over the Sunny thing, and I was also like very, you know, the fact that the whole it, what the thing that always gets brought up about the Montreal screw job is the part where. Sean told Brett, or Brett told Sean, like, listen, you know, like, I understand, like, we don't like each other, but Mm. I respect you enough that I would do the job for you. And Sean turning back and saying, I understand that, and I respect that, and I accept you saying that, but I wouldn't do the same thing for you. And if you look at the full scope of it, the reason that he said that was. Or how it was presented. Because I've seen it over and over. It's just that uh, perhaps Sean, on top of the drugs, on top of being an asshole, like, his feelings in that conversation stem from the fact that, like, yeah, you pulled, like, me and you got into a fight, and you pulled out, like, a patch of my hair. You know? mm where in fact, like Brett said, it's just like you know what? There's I I couldn't hold this grudge because at the end of the day, a lot of I should like I I I should take responsibility for it. It wasn't all Sean. It wasn't all Vince. It wasn't all me, but it was some of me. So I can take responsibility for part of it.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah. Totally. But the progression also going back of the show of the docu. It's you know the hard family like he's doing it for the family even though his family business is gone now and he's in in the 90s getting more and more uh top dog i mean the show like he wins the title uh in his dad's hometown like serendipitous saskatoon it was a serendipitous moment it wasn't planned long it wasn't long planned it just was just kind of happened and uh so even in that moment he's still like I'm doing this for my family and stuff. And like, you know, he's, he has this dual relationship with like Stu and then he has Vince, and he's like, you know, years and years, like things like his fam- his family life is kind of falling apart or like he's like, you know, he said, in, he said himself, he's unfaithful. He was unfaithful and stuff, but he was faithful to Vince. He was faithful, faithful to WWF. So more and more the years go on and then he becomes a free agent. This was interesting because it, it is a, the premise, oh, it is the main focus of that, your introduction to Brett with the uh, Wrestling with Shadows. So I didn't know he was straight up like he was a free agent in 96. I thought that he just got kind of a, uh, if you were to leave WF, this is what we could give you in 96. Because that was like kind of always up in the air, mystery-wise with him with WCW. So this is huge. So in, they revealed that uh, WCW offered three years, three million each year. Nine million, uh, and then then we knew we both know about it, is the WF offered that long term contract, that twenty year contract, but it was uh, ten, it was like ten million in twenty years. So like, right, it was it something like that? And he stuck with Vince, like his like you know, he like same respect he gave to Stu, he was given to Vince. And the Macho Screwjob happens, and it's like that's why it's like why is Brett keep harping on this that's the that's the reason why like he put he put all his faith in vince and like the yeah, same like admiral
1: and you gotta remember these dudes are like on the road like
0: 320 days out of the year yeah i think there was a uh, one time Gener- someone generously yeah someone said um legit three hundred was like 340 days Some one mm-hmm. of these guys did it there's a docu about it uh but yeah so like that's a betrayal you know um Right heart, they always get the shit for it. like, oh, like he keeps harping on things and he's like negative and stuff. But I hey, mean, come on, wouldn't you be too when you you, you devote your life uh, to this? You know, he said it thirteen years, and, and he put it all in that punch. You know that who the punch, uh, and he punches Vince after the, the after the thing goes down with Montreal school job. Uh How do how do you think about you know what the Shawn Michaels Vince was open about? It. He was talking about it, uh, and this one uh, it kind of pissed me off. He was so like. Like phony, like uh, haha, making jokes, like light-hearted um, about um, how, about doing it. In this in this instance, it kind of annoyed me. Vince is kind of like being too much in these docus now. What do you think about that? Because I, 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 it was nice at first, but now I'm like, all right, now you're being a little too too all over the place in these docus. I, I don't want to see you that much. Mm, yeah, I could see that, but I don't
1: know, like with the the specific. Episode or the specific incident, the Montreal school job Like I've been back and forth because I've watched wrestling with with shadows and Brett did present an ending that would have been um, feasible to portray, like the storyline, especially like if you look at the whole. If you look at the whole. Body of work in nineteen ninety seven, because it started off like he was pissed off because the American fans were going towards like the Stone Cold Steve Austin's and the Degeneration X's of the world. So if either, if they would have ended some if they would have ended Survivor Series. The way that was proposed, which was like, oh, like it was this big dust up, blah, 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 blah. And Bret Hart comes out on Raw the next thing And it's like, you know what? I'm so disgusted with the World Wrestling Federation that I wouldn't even want to like represent this country. I mean, I don't want to represent this company anymore. You know what? Here, like, I don't want this championship anymore. But I think, like, in the other side of me is looking at it, it's just, like, if he did the, something like that, wouldn't I, like, devalue the WWF championship at the time? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was always interesting to me because I was, like, there were so many characters in WWE at the time that you could have kind of had, like, you know, these buffers. And we've always seen it in the history of wrestling transitional champions. Like, one of the huge things was, like, I think Bob Backlund didn't want to yeah. drop the championship to Hulk Hogan. So they had Bob Backlund drop the championship to the Iron Sheik, and then the Iron Sheik like a month later drops it to Hulk Hogan, and Hulk Hogan holds the championship for, like, 10 years or something like that.
0: And they did it with Bob Backlund again with Bret Hart. Remember uh, Owen Hart in the docu, like, my brother! You know, and then he, uh, he throws a towel and, uh, uh, Brett Brett's throws a towel in, and then Brett loses to uh, Bob Acklin. And then a day later, or two days later, Bob Backlund lost to Kevin Nash. He was a replace. He was the uh, transition champ, literally a couple of days, and Kevin Nash beats him in MSG in thirty seconds. Yeah, and
1: Kevin, I, I, Kevin. I've always said, I and mean, he's the one person. Well, recently, now that he's you know out and about and just being him. The one person I always pointed to, I was like, why don't they like involve like Undertaker mm. in some way? It, and he's come on he's like it's like yeah, like they could have dropped the belt to me and then dropped it to Sh- to Sean. Um, you had Stone Cold, but I don't think they wanted to like you know
0: jump the gun on yeah. the Stone Cold era. But oh, and he had his neck broken too. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, Sean forfeited too. I mean, it's a messy situation. I guess it's, I know it's business, but uh, you gotta you gotta agree though. I mean, so thirteen years, thirteen years, uh, Brett gave to the to the business, uh, you know, and and in one second, three seconds, so yes, or one second, it's taken away, um, and kind of like nullifies all the things he did for the man, for Vince and the business and stuff. I know it's like, you know, it's a transaction, you know, he's, he's making a living, uh, but Vince was benefiting from it. They couldn't find a compromise. Like this, this was, this is the way it had to happen. Uh, but over the years, I've been going back and forth to where I think this is the, this is how it should have been. Cause like Vince says like, this is like the perfect opportunity for Brett to make his money in WCW. He's the ultimate baby face goes to WCW and I don't know how, they, they, they made him a bad guy eventually, but um, Bret Hart has a, the biggest chip on his shoulder for the next, what, couple years? And then, what, he comes back in a couple years down the road in WF when WF can?
1: And it's funny. Perfect. It's funny as all well because one of, like, the negotiate as part of, like, one of the initial negotiations when Bret got the offer from WCW... And Vince was like, Well, we can't all we can't, you know, match that because of how WWF's at the times, like financials were you know compromised at the time, like they couldn't match that offer. But Vince told him he was like, you know, I will tell you, like, if you go over there, they won't know what to do with you. And wcw Bret hart's wcw time period was uh, very underwhelming so yes, to speak. Yeah. because I've, I've i've said it like wrestling with shadows was where first of all it was just talking from me as a wrestling fan that let me to know that these were like real people with real lives they weren't You know, these people that they portrayed on TV, like they had families, they were playing characters, whatever, whatever, but I still bought in. But at the same time, when I watched it, I was like, Bret Hart, now mind you, when I first seen it, it might have been either late 1998 or early 1999. Because that's how I knew that Brett was Owen's brother. And May 23rd, May 24th, my birthday that that year of 1999. When, because we talked about it a little bit last week with Mick Foley, how we used to flip back and forth. May 24th, 1999. That was one of the nights that I flipped back and forth because... I wanted to see what Bret Hart, his reaction or what they would do for him in remembrance of his brother. So I remember that night I was flipping back and forth. and But the, the, the long and short of it, what I wanted to convey here is how underwhelming his time with WCW was because when I was watching both between 1998 and 1999, like Bret Hart wasn't like a big deal at all. And this is like a year plus a year and a couple months into his time with WCW. So it was overwhelming for me when I watched Wrestling With Shadows. I was like, yo, this dude was like a big deal. It was astounding to me. And then when he goes to WCW, like Vince was right. They didn't have anything for him.
0: So so in the docu, uh, after this part, this Montreal part, uh, it's kind of like kind of downers. Uh, I mean, of course, you have the Owen Hart, uh, his WSW career. You have the Goldberg. Uh, he's very open about that, but It's like, you know, you didn't yeah. know what he was doing.
1: Even on broken soul sessions. He,
0: yeah, I mean. He does have a
1: whole Goldberg so bad.
0: I mean, it's like, you know, Goldberg, if you don't know, like, you know, he was a local, he was kind of like WCW, he was still nationwide, but he was also like still Southern and like Georgia and Atlanta. He was a Falcon at one point, you know, he was kind of a pet project. He, a year in training, he was already on TV, being pushed to the moon. Um, maybe to push too far. Um, and Brett will always, that's the whole thing with he always said it was a uh, he was always perfect. Like he never—he was proud that he never injured anyone. Um, he knew how to do like a punch without like hurting anyone. Uh, and ironically, his career ends by like a missed by a kick that you know connected too much. You know, it was ironic. And um, that's the whole thing. It's kind of like the what ifs. Like, is the Macho screw job blown up so much because still because of what happened afterwards? Like, if if all that stuff didn't happen we wouldn't be looking at the Macho Scuja the way we do now as kind of like the uh, inception of, or the, you know, of what was to come. So you had that, you had a stroke. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, man, you forget, like, there was a time where you're like, Oh my God. Uh, you had to learn every how to talk. Uh, and walk. And then in 2004, I remember like being just on the, on the internet, just randomly as a kid, I used to look at the news or the dirt sheets or whatever. And I see a picture of Vince and, sh- and Bret Hart shaking hands, and I was like, What the
1: hell? Mm-hmm. And, I, and,
0: I, and my brother came home from, uh, my brother was here, yeah, and we we're like, My God, this is crazy. And it was like kind of like breaking news. Um, you know, then we, he had his, like we talked about in the show, Michaels, he had his closure moment. We, um, we talked about it. Did. We said, like, he was like, they, like, the Bret Hart DVD
1: was supposed to be like the the ultimate warrior mm. where it was kind of supposed to be like a head job, but Bret Hart um, jumped in front of it. And one of the lessons I got from him, and again, these are, these are things that happen during my, you know, in my adolescence or my journey from like adolescence to adulthood. And somehow, some way, like, taught me how to be, like, the adult that I am today. And I think, like, when, when he came out on Raw, years after that, and he forgave Shawn Michaels. And then going back to what we're talking about here, where him and Vince McMahon reconciled in, like, 2004... And I I just remember what he said. He he said for years, but he kind of like tied it up with a, like a bow in this biography. He was like, it's like carrying like the, having these grudges against Vincent Grand and Shawn Michaels. He was like, you know, it's like carrying a bag of rocks with you all the time. Like it's like every time you go somewhere, it's like you have to carry this like big old like, boulder over your shoulder and it's like you shouldn't you know every you know if, if there are situations like you have like um, a disagreement with somebody like you kind of got to look into yourself and be like what part in this thing that I play and what can I take responsibility for like I could understand that it's not just me but I can't just be like, oh, it's him and him against me. It's certain things I did that made them re- respond a certain type of way. And a certain things they did that I might have re- overreacted to. And I thought that was like a huge
0: moment. Uh, if Brett always was like carrying, like he carried, again, like I keep stressing the family. Like he was carrying the, the respect of the heart name, you know, Fighting in school as a kid, you know, like getting picked on. The Hart Far thing—he never lost a fight. They said, you know, he would just—he was a scrappy young guy. He defended an honor. Um, he went to—he uh, worked for in Calgary, um, you know, to represent the Hart legacy. Uh, he's the most well-known. Him and Owen are, you know, the most well-known. But Bret Hart is like—he the he was like the the face of the Hart family for all, all these decades. Um, you know, he fought. He carried the weight of like. The honor of Stu hart the hart family then um owen hart was not really having success in america and like he was going back and forth to japan in america and he kind of carried the weight of owen and wf to, like kind of get him up get him up there and uh that whole feud that is the first time i remember watching wrestling like live really was like the owen and brett feud where actually was like aware of what was going on and it was like a big deal to me like there's a home video of me and my brother like acting out like Owen Hart and all Hart stuff so um he literally like you know carried uh Owen Hart for a few years like getting him to the next spot and he got there uh, he got he got to the almost at to the top you know WWF but he was he had like the the pressure of I have to I have to do this for the family you know I have to do this for my brother um you know that that was kind of like the whole thing that the theme of Brett always like he had this weight on his shoulder. And at the end of this, they started talking about um, his new wife or his current wife. I should say new wife his his current wife or his wife. Um, and it felt like he was alluding to, he was having a lot of pressure and weight of um, like his an estrangement with his family. He was kind of like that where like his kids and his wife weren't really getting along. Cause of the age, I didn't realize that it was 25 years, right? She's 38 and he's 63. Yeah, so it was like 25 years. And he would be, she would be the same age as like his first son, pretty much, I think. Um, So he has that burden of, all right, this is a woman I love, you know. um, You know, my first marriage didn't work out. I think he was engaged and married other times. Like, that's another thing you got to carry the pressure of that. And he always seems like, kind of sad like if you ever seen like, brett has that face but here he seemed like he was kind of looking for closure and he's kind of like i'm okay uh i'm taking responsibility for a lot of the a lot of the friction that's been built up in the last couple of years de- last couple of decades so he seemed like he was kind of like using this docu um like a lot of the other ones were too where like closure like he said that his hall of fame speech he said i'm okay you don't have to worry about me remember that thing he says that at his in his speech and uh Brett finally seems kind of he can breathe like he's like all right i don't have to carry around the pressure of montreal anymore either like even like the macho screw like i don't have to carry that with me anymore owen hart like the pressure of like you know even the fans saying like oh owen hart you know he needs to be in the hall of fame things like that and he's trying to keep his family together like his uh owen's a widow and like the other family they were going back and forth for decades and he was kind of the middleman and it just seemed like it beat him down and at the end of this documentary uh i felt like he he let a lot out and he was kind of like all right i'm okay with being myself now you know i'm bret hart you know i'm 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 okay you know i i feel good and that's all that's all i hope for because you know he's like my guy you know uh you know, you they always say it's like the Kennedys of like the wrestling of wrestling, you know, the Kennedys of wrestling world, like all this tragedy and stuff. But I think finally he could be like, All right, things happen, but I'm okay. And this is my life. Now I'm happy, you know?
1: Yeah. He's he's one of them people like I just like relate to like the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be will be. You know, it's that's like you know. Things in my my head. I'm just like, I want to be the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Wanna be the excellence of execution. And he was. He is. Stop talking about him <laughs> like he died.
0: <laughs> Far he will be.
1: All right, Mike. Episode 56. The one with the black guy.
0: The one with the black guy. Yeah. We All right, so it. we did it, so Martha Kaufman
1: didn't have to. But what's your final yeah. thoughts?
0: Final thoughts. Um, I, I called the the Coach of the Year award for uh, Tim Tebow was what I wanted. I mean, uh, there, there's other worthy, you know, candidates. Um, I think it's a nice, it's reassurance. Like, okay, you know, like uh, we know as fans how great this this team is right now how, how next year going forward, it's going to be the same team. And it's going to be, uh, just adding to it. Um, but as fans, uh, it's kind of a good, um, acknowledgement from the great, the greater or the bigger, um, you know, from like the NBA and other peers, uh, giving them, you know, the tip of the hat. It's good. It's so it's a good to be, uh, proud of that. Um, But it's not everything. It's not the end. It's not, it's not, it's just the beginning. It's not like this is the goal that we wanted. No, this is just a nice little uh, treat. Uh, Jules Jules Randall, congrats for him as well. Um, But I think this is just like a um, nice little side thing. The the, the real goal is to build, um, build towards the next, another round. Okay. Let's try to be the second seed, you know, let's, Let's have a five-year plan, not just like the immediacy. Like, let's not go crazy. And if it doesn't work out next year, let's not. Let's try. You know, stay focused on like a a year and then a five-year plan. Well, congrats to coach Uh, the Yankees. I'm I'm glad that um, uh, Garrett Cole. Like, I like the whole like fucking just throw the strike. Don't don't do any bullshit. Like hitting someone. you know, get the win. Because at the end of the day, like, you're going to screw up the rest of the team or, you know, let's just win. You know, like, like Major League, win the whole fucking thing. You know, like, revenge is going to be us. Finally, me and Shug down uh, the ticker tape parade. That's the goal. Same with the Knicks. That's the goal. Uh, Lily Blonde. Um, this is my entryway. This is my gateway to go back to watch these things from 20 years ago that i forgot or uh i finally feel okay with treating this as like a nostalgia like i am accepting the fact that i just had my birthday all right this is a long time ago we can finally go back and treat this like i used to treat like early 90s movies like wow 2001 really is a long time ago uh enough time has passed where i can i can look back at it and have like a completely different point of view on something that i grew up on and uh this is just the first one legally blonde with friends um it's not something new like where i knew uh that it didn't age well i just think the reunion how would they have presented it how would they have done this uh we talked it out me and Chuck talked it out and we found in what 20 seconds a way to organically bring it up during a special we have a super fan and just kind of casually bring it up and you know i'm always going to be like in 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 voice would be like i grew up watching the show i love the show i still love the show i love you guys um you know i i watched it since i was a kid you know 25 years later um How do you like you know? How do you come to terms with like you know? I don't see myself up there in Central Park. Easily would have been a nice little nice moment. Uh, So I think now it's just gonna always have this stigma to the friends where um, even the creator now with what they said like not being inclusive and just uh, creatively uh, they could have done so much more creatively and would have more um, more opportunities for storylines because the show did get stale and if they had these more uh you know dynamic characters uh, they missed out on that and that's their loss and we and we suffered as fans too Bret Hart better is best there was best there ever will be he really is um i never bring him up when i say like oh my favorite all time but he was like the first guy that i really believed in as a kid um it's always going to be Owen Hart and Bret Hart uh that's always going to be like my first like storyline that um pulled me into this world that i can't get the hell out 25 years later i can't get out uh but um the eighth docu uh special in the books um i'm not gonna do an overall for all eight of them but i'm gonna say that bret hart Mick foley uh they ended strong with those two being last uh you know, like uh, Macho Man was very controversial. That was unfortunate. Ultimate Warrior, very controversial. But I did appreciate a lot of things they had in that one. Stone Cold. Um, he's still doing his thing, so it didn't. It didn't really feel like uh I was learning anything new. Like he's still like kind of was like present day. Uh, Booker T. Again, he's someone I watch his podcast all the week, so it, was, it didn't really feel like I was learning anything new. Like it's kind of like, uh he's still active. Um, So it's, it's, it's sad that, you know, that we got to figure out something else to do with wrestling, but I think uh, we need a break from these docus, but uh, I appreciated the Bret Hart one. Uh, I actually, I appreciated watching it with non-fans. I watched uh, some with my girlfriend and some with, I actually watched one with my mom and like watching it through their eyes. They're like, Oh my God, so tragic. Like these, what these people went through. Oh my God. Like, So non-fans can realize and see um, these like crazy, dramatic lives that these people led. Uh, They they survived most of them, you know, like this really um, like Shakespearean, like crazy, tragic, Uh, like the Ultimate Warrior, for instance. Like he died the next day after his grand entrance back into the world. Like very superhero stuff, larger than life in real in real life. So. This was just another example of these crazy stories uh, that are true, and I'm glad that we were able to talk about it with Shug. Shug, final thoughts for you? Yeah,
1: legally blonde. Watched I join on Blockbuster, so it shows you how long it's been since I watched it. Um, shout out Selma Blair. Hope everything is going great with her our family, dealing with MS, Jennifer Coolidge, introduced, I mean, not introduced, because she was Stifler's mom before that, but it gave her, like, a whole role, and she was, like, fantastic in it, and it was, like, a great commentary on the, you know, sexual harassment and, you know, women doing all this shit for, like, men. Uh, so for for those reasons I think it still shows up it, it, it still holds up um Martha Kaufman um I think I could comfortably say like fuck Martha Kaufman and David Crane because you know they're still like standing by the decisions they've they made in this TV series that probably you know, Pay for the house that they live in. And Mindy Kalen, I'm not like a huge fan of her. You know, the half black side of me isn't, and the half Indian side of me is not either. And shout out, Living Single. Hopefully, we could get like a Living Single reunion on HBO Max. That's two hours long. Uh, Bret Hart was like my first introduction into, you know, wrestling being a form of art that somebody's trying to convey. And I was so happy to hear him tell his life story. Shout out to Julie. Did not know that his ex-wife, Julie, was... The sister of the dynamite my kid, the dynamite kids' wife, um, which Dark Side of the Ring has been, eh, yeah, it, it's some stories I've been into, some stories I haven't been into so far. That's why we haven't like discussed them at length. But shook me the morning. we got like a whole bunch of like videos on our YouTube, we're hoping to add. Uh, This Friends, as well as Legally Blonde, who are in retrospect series, I feel like it's our new thing. It's going to be great because we look at things that we liked about stuff that came out years ago, stuff we didn't like about it, stuff that would translate well today Some. Stuff that wouldn't translate well today, and I think that's the beauty of it that we can look at it through both lenses—the lenses that we watched it in originally, and the lenses that we watched it in today. So keep your eye out on all of those because we've we've done several of those. We just didn't have like an official name for it, but in retrospect, this is our new series, and uh, we got like a whole bunch of other stuff coming up out the pipeline on youtube
0: so stay tuned for that and just keep checking us out yeah and if you guys have any suggestion of what you think we should watch like in retrospect you know pop it in let us know because um it'd be i'd be interested to hear what you guys think we what do you guys want to hear from us like i don't like you're
1: trying not to make it late for us. it's just like the stuff like if mike said he watched something Mm-hmm. And we could talk about it. We talk about it. If I watch something, man, Mike says, we could talk about it. We talk about it. Something you could post to us and we could watch it and then, you know, do something on it. We'll, we'll do something on it. But this has been episode 56, the one with the black guy. This has been Shug Me the Mooney. Sug Me the Mooney. Sug Me the Mooney.